Ladies and gentlemen, it is by God the grandest, daddiest of them all. It is presented by Snickers. It is the Wazzy Awards. God damn, what a night. We've been working all year to get here, and these men are going to lay it all on the line. Good God almighty. Yes, uh, good evening, humans. It is one of the biggest nights of the year. The fourth annual was is talking our best and worst of 2022 from the world of professional wrestling. Alex, how the bloody hell are you? I tell you what, I am fantastic. This is um, this is what it's all about, man. This is what it's all about. Um, yeah, oh, this is fantastic. I I love doing these awards. <laughs> Oh boy. Uh, so, bit of a change from previous years where we've sort of, at the start, sort of touched on the past year. I think when we did the uh, Spotify rap, that's a good point to uh, touch on our past year of podcasting for yeah. going forward. So, this year, a little bit different. We're going to kick off with some of the biggest stories of the year. Just a, a brief rundown. I'm sure some of these we might go into a bit more detail uh, during the Wazzies themselves, but uh, a few more notable stories of the year from the world of professional wrestling. Of uh, course, of course. So we go here to March 2nd, and it is Tony Khan acquiring Ring of Honor from Sinclair as a separate entity from All Elite Wrestling. Fucking nuts. Yeah. Fucking nuts. Uh, let me just cup, chuck a couple, de- or one... That I forgot happened this year, uh, last year. Yeah. Just that happened before that. Shane McMahon returns to WWE and then has a fucking weird coke addicted fucking breakdown and gets fired from the company. <laughs> oh, yeah. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> Jeez, yes. Um, I mean, with this announcement live on Dynamite, there was a lot of hope and, uh, I'll uh, touch on how I think the uh, the following nine months of uh, Ring of Honor played out. Yeah. Uh, March 14th, I'm sure Alex will have a bit to add to this, but uh, the sad passing of Scott Hall at the age of 63, born in 1958, uh, founding member of the New World Order. Championship accomplishments include uh, AWA Tag Team Champion once, TNA Tag Team Champion once, WCW Television Championship, he held it once. The US Championship in WCW twice. The WCW Tag Team Champ seven times. The winner of World War Three in 1997. And a four-time Intercontinental Championship holder, which was, at the time, a record for that championship. Got inducted in the Hall of Fame, uh, Class of 2014 as an individual, and Class of 2020 as part of the New World Order. The passing of Scott Hall there at the age of uh, 63, Alex. All these uh, accomplishments go inducted into the Hall of Fame twice. Uh, anything you want to add? Because I believe he's one of your guys. Oh, yeah. Big time fave of mine. Um, he just looked like a megastar. He talked like a megastar. He wrestled like a megastar. It was fantastic. It was, yeah, one of my favourites of all time. Um, man, it it kind of it's kind of weird like 
the Ring of Honor thing feels like it happened a lifetime ago, but the Scott Hall passing feels like it happened just yesterday. Kind of weird. Yeah. But yeah. Um, crazy how time works, especially post 2020. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. The past three years, time has uh, completely been rewritten of uh, how we experience it. Uh, yeah. So. March 25th, Triple H announces his in-ring retirement online uh, and then to kick off WrestleMania 38, night two, he leaves his boots in the ring. Crazy. I mean, uh, given all his uh, health problems, it is uh, is, uh, time to uh, hang it up and uh, what happens later in the year, it's probably uh, best he does. (laughs) Oh, boy. Yeah, goddamn, what a year for trips. (laughs) Uh, June 17th, Dave Hebner passes away, age 73, uh, born in 1974. The referee, twin brother of Earl Hebner and the uncle of Brian, debuted uh, for the WWF in 1986, refereed many historic ma- matches, such as Randy Savage versus Ricky Steamboat at WrestleMania 3, Randy Savage versus Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania 5, and the World Championship match between Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant on the February 5th, 1988 episode of WWF Main Event. Uh, after retiring as a referee following knee replacement surgery, Hebner worked as a road agent uh, until July of 2005, where he was released from his contract. Hebner then debuted for TNA Wrestling, working there until December of 2005, uh, from December of 2005 until leaving in 2012. During the Impact Slammiversary event, Brian was a referee in the match between the Impact Originals against Honor No More. Uh, when Brian was uh, laid out late during the match, Earl removed his shirt ringside to reveal his TNA Hall of Fame refereeing shirt, carrying the pinfall for the Impact of it, officials, and once the bell rang, the Hebners embrace and gestured Skywards to, uh, as a sign of respect to their fallen family member. Man, that that also feels like a lifetime ago. Crazy. Yes, uh, anything else uh, you want to add on uh, Dave Hebner, his WWF career or anything? Uh, I mean, his most famous thing is, you know, he was the ref for that Andre versus Hogan match, and, you know... Oh my God! How much did he pay for the plastic surgery, brother? How much did he pay to? How much did he pay to get that guy to look exactly like Dave Hebden, brother? Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I love that story just because of how ridiculous it is. Like originally, the whole fucking kayfabe backstory of Earl is that Ted DiBiase found a man on the street that was around the same size as Dave Hebner and had him have plastic surgery to look exactly like him. Oh, oh goodness. Uh, yeah, one of, the, one of the weird forgotten facts of wrestling history. <laughs> yeah. How much did he pay for the surgery, brother? <laughs> yeah. Going on from there, June 19th, Tim White passes away at the age of 68, born 1954. Referee from the WWF, working with them from 1985 until 2004. Known for being Andre the Giant's handler and agent. 
White refereed the legendary Hell in the Cell match between Mick Foley uh, as Mankind at the time and The Undertaker at King of the Ring. Also the owner of the Friendly Tap Bar where WWE filmed countless times. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the story that Bruce Pritchard would tell of like, oh, they, they filmed at the Friendly Tap Bar and, and you know, they didn't even touch the TV screens or anything. And then all of a sudden Tim White comes into work the next day and he has photo evidence that, oh, the TV screen in the fridge has been broken. We're going to need to replace it. Vince, can you get us a new TV in fridge? And Bruce is like, we didn't touch it. And Tim's like, shh. <laughs> <laughs> One guy who could work Vince for more money. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, July 22nd, Vince McMahon retires from WWE at the age of 77, stepping down as chairman of the WWE, a position he held since 1980, uh, succeeded, uh, and to succeed in that position was Stephanie McMahon. He also steps down as CEO of WWE, a position he held since 2009, a role which will be succeeded by both Stephanie McMahon and Nick Khan as co-CEOs. Yeah, it, it's crazy, man. Who would have thought this day would ever come? <laughs> I thought this would happen when Vince dies. <laughs> and that's not being morbid. That's just what everybody thought. This guy has an iron yeah. grip on the company. He won't let go. Well, have you seen all the reports that have come out lately that there's a rumour that Vince is trying to get back in? <laughs> yes. Yes, I have. Go away, man. It's nice here without you. It's really nice here at the minute. Yes. Uh, August 9th, Jean LaBelle passes away at the age of 89, born 1932, a legit martial artist, 10th degree red belt in judo, 9th degree black belt in jiu-jitsu, 10th degree black belt in Konyasu Budokai. I'm unsure yep. what that last one is, but it sounds very uh, uh, like a lot of experience to be a 10th degree black belt in. Uh, it Le sounds very techy, that's for sure. <laughs> LaBelle, along with his brother Mike, ran the NWA's Los Angeles Territory NWA Hollywood Wrestling from 1968 to 1982. He wrestled his final match on August 29, 1981 against Peter Maivia. Uh, in that promotion. from uh, In June 1976, he refereed the infamous Boxer vs. Wrestler contest between Muhammad Ali and Antonio Noki in Tokyo, Japan. Uh, he was friends with world champion judoka Anne-Marie Demars, who is the mother of Ronda Rousey. I mean, Jean LaBelle. Like, Hell of a career. Uh, yeah, he was... He also, like, helped train Roddy Piper. Um, he's the reason that Daniel Bryan's original finishing move was named the LaBelle Lock. Yep. Uh, oh, it's called the LaBelle Lock again, isn't it? Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, I believe he's a... He still calls it the LaBelle Lock now. Yeah, yeah, because then it became the yes lock, then the no lock, then the yes lock, and now it's the LaBelle lock again. Um, 
yeah so yeah his his legacy will live on forever purely through brian danielson so yeah that's a hell of a statement too one of the best wrestlers of all time is paying tribute to you that says something about you uh, September 4th, and I'm sure we're going to touch on this a lot more later, but the all-out media scrum goes viral when CM Punk goes into business for himself. <laughs> After he finishes his press conference, a backstage fight breaks out which sees CM Punk, Ace Steel, Kenny Omega, Matt Jackson, and Nick Jackson stripped of their respective titles and suspended. Yeah, I, I will... Um touch more on it later it's 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 gonna win an award or two. <laughs> oh boy uh also on september 4th uh worlds collide the final event for wwe nxt uk takes place before it goes on hiatus uh with wwe announcing a relaunch of nxt europe in 2023 sometime yeah yeah, haven't heard any more updates on that yet. No, but, it, is, um, it is very much like a Tony Khan and a Ring of Honor. Something's coming. I yeah. don't know when, but sometime. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, October 1st, Antonio Noki passes away at the age of 79, born 1943. One of the two apprentices of Ricky Dozan, the founder of Progressu in Japan. Uh, the other being Giant Baba. Anoki founded New Japan Pro Wrestling in 19... Oh, I don't even have this written down. Uh, in the 1970s, uh, he then sold his controlling uh, share, a 51.5% share in 2005 to Ukes. He main evented the largest ever attended wrestling event against Ric Flair, made history with the infamous Boxer vs. Wrestler Contest against Muhammad Ali, one-time WWF heavyweight champion, which is unrecognized, and inducted into the 2010 WWE Hall of Fame. Uh, countless other accolades uh, accompany his career. At the start of New Japan Pro Wrestling, Declaration of Power on the 10th of October, a memorial to Anoki opened the show with... Um, uh, New Japan announcing they had contacted Nonoki on September 1st uh, to make him honorary lifetime chairman and plan to announce it publicly at Declaration of Power. Yep. Uh, yeah. Sad, sad to see Nonoki go. One of the... One of sort of those last big names of, like, that early era of uh, Japanese wrestling. Yeah, Ricky Dozan, Baba, and Anoki. That's that's the peak of the peak there. Who's the the founder of Noah? Um, was that wasn't that Masawa? I think so. Um, yeah. Give me a moment. Yeah, Masawa, and then he passed away in two thousand nine. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, one of those those things. Uh, a few passing away is unfortunately all pretty close together in October. So, Noki on the 1st. October 6th, Sarah Lee passes away at the age of 30, born uh, 1992. First appeared on the WWE Tough Enough 
uh, season from 2015. She was one of the 13 finalists. Uh, she was the fan-voted female winner, earning a quarter of a million one-year WWE contract in August of uh, August of 2015. She began training in NXT from September of 2015, had a total of nine matches at NXT live events, none televised, before being released on September 30th, 2016. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember watching that that season of Tough Enough. She was a great personality on the show. It's just a shame it didn't work out in the ring. Um yeah, she was mar- married to Wesley Blake. They had a few kids, I think. I think they had two or three. Yeah. But, yeah, it's a real shame when someone so young passes like that. Yeah, and also uh, that season, like, you think her, she's the, uh, the female winner and you have uh, the other... The runner-up woman was Mandy Rose. Uh, yep. You also saw Chelsea Green... Yep. And you had uh, voted out early was uh, Deanna, uh, not Deanna, Sonia Deville. I forgot her yep. her uh, birth name's Daria. That's why I got confused. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, just, yeah, sad news. Someone so young, like, yes, she hadn't been in wrestling in a while, but um, still connected to wrestling through her partner and her friends and that. Uh, October the 12th, Katsuyura Kitamura passes away at the age of 36, born 1985. Uh, Kitamura began training with New Japan Pro Wrestling in the New Japan Dojo in 2015, appearing on a number of Lion Gate projects, uh, which is like the Young Lions show they were doing in the mid-2010s for New Japan. Uh, took part in the 2017 Young Lions Cup, where he dominated the field that included... Now, here's a list of who's who from that Young Lions Cup. Master Watto, the Great Khan, Shooter Umino, and someone who's recently returned, the son of Strong Style, Ren Narita. Crazy. Yeah. That's a hell of a class. Yeah, the 2017 I... Young Lions class. And the crazy thing is that class is like kind of immortalised in my brain because... Um... On Fire Pro Wrestling World when they brought that out for the PS4 around that time. Yeah. Like, uh, there's like a Young Lions section, and that's exactly the Young Lions that you could choose in that game. So, yeah, I remember, like, yeah, it was um, Ren Narita, Harai Kawato, or whatever the name was, Kitamura, Oka. What was his other name? It was something like Oka or something yeah, like that. Tommy Yuka uh, Oka was Great yeah, Okan. Hirika yeah. Kawato was Master Watto. Shota Umino is Shooter and Ren Narita is uh, still Ren Narita just with the son of Strong Style as his uh, new moniker. Yeah. Because I remember on that... um. That uh, declaration of power, they kick off with uh, Ren Narita being like one of the first entrants after the Anoki memorial part of the show. Yeah. Uh, oh, man. Yeah. Somebody who had a really big future, and then he got following that in January of uh, 20, 
18, he gets the cerebral concussion and was unable to compete. It was reported that his the severity of his injury may force him to retire. Following that, when he was on um, injury leave, he had a leg injury due to a scooter accident. And then after a year of almost no updates, he was released in January of 2019 from New Japan. Yeah, I, I had big hopes for the dude. It's just a shame that, yeah, the injuries got the best of him. Yeah, somebody who was destined for, for big things if everything had fallen in his favour. He just drew the, the wrong cards there, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, November 20th, New Japan Pro Wrestling and Wonder, uh, World Wonder Ring Stardom, both owned by entertainment company Bushiroad, announced the creation of the New Japan Pro Wrestling Women's Championship with the inaugural champion crowned at historic X-Over joint event. December 23rd, Suzuki-Gun wrestle a farewell eight-man tag team match with El Desperado, Lance Archer, Minoru Suzuki, and Takamishinoku versus Doki, Taichi, Yoshinobu Katamaru, and Zack Sabre Jr. Um, I'm not sure if you've seen this or if you listened to the the rap I did the week after this when you've been away? Uh, honestly, no, I haven't listened to it yet. Okay. Uh, really good match. If you have the time, check it out on uh, New Japan World. Yeah, I will for sure. And then uh, closing out the year, more unfortunate news of uh, Don West passing away at the age of 59, born 1963. Known for being the first voice of TNA Wrestling, the man who was on the first commercial selling the first ever weekly pay-per-view. Yep. Team with the professor Mike Tanay from show one of TNA in 2002 until 2009 when Taz replaced him at the desk. West was known for his wild pitches during the Shop TNA segments as his background was with the Shop at Home network. Who can forget Don West's TNA brown bag deals? Come on. And then uh, the... The uh, Slammiversary show this year paying homage to 20 years of impact with a nice video package of Don West and Mike Tanay. Yeah, well, yeah, you have to at least mention those guys because they were the voice of the company for so long, so long. And, you know, when I think of TNA, that's who I think of. That's the voices I'm hearing. Like, as much as Taz was there for a while... I'm still hearing Don West. I'm not hearing. I'm not hearing Taz. I'm hearing Don West go. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, his over-the-top commentary, which you know, it was like some people loved it, some people hated it, but man, it was memorable. Okay, um, so over to the uh, the Wazzies now. That's sort of the the bigger news in uh, wrestling from the past year. Uh, should we go over to our likely unlikelies for 2022? All right, let's go. Uh, I barely remember what we had here. <laughs> so, likely unlikely. Renegades of Wrestling tour in at least four of the Australian or New Zealand states. So, I remember I classified this as the, uh, the eight Australian states or the North or South Island of New Zealand. We both said unlikely, and that's true because Renegades haven't left Melbourne yet. <laughs> also, <laughs> Ren Renegades of Wrestling hold a show in a regional town away from the state capital. Uh, 
Alex had said likely, I said unlikely. That didn't happen. Crazy. A PWA and PWL super show takes place in Queensland. Alex said unlikely, I said likely. And here's where I go with this. <laughs> yes, PWL uh, joint promoted the PWA Let's Fucking Go tour the Queensland leg on the Gold Coast and Brisbane. However, those shows weren't broadcast or taped. So I'm going to say unlikely on that. So Alex gets the, uh, the point for that Ooh. one. Yeah, you could go either way on that. Yeah. To me, a super show would at least be broadcast or taped for VOD. Yeah, fair. Fair. Uh, this is where I want your class of, uh, clarification on this. A foreign tour takes place on Australian or New Zealand soil. Alex said unlikely. I said likely. Where do we stand on New Japan Tamashi? Was it a tour or was it the one venue? It was one show in New Zealand and one show in Australia. Mm. I guess technically it happened. I guess technically it counts. Just because, yeah, it is promoted as New Japan. It went to more than one venue. Even though it was mainly Australians wrestlers but yeah i would say it counts yeah uh, then we go on to uh aw signs two or more australian or new zealand's to contracts not working deals for dark and elevation alex said unlikely i said likely and that happened with uh, both buddy matthews and tony storm being signed yeah shit <laughs> <laughs> to be fair it did look like anything was happening. We recorded this, and then by the end of February, they'd both signed straight away. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kazuchika Okada wrestles on a on AW pay per view in North America. We both said likely, and that happened. Kenny Omega wrestles in Japan for New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, as we count the uh, the uh, Wrestle Kingdom window itself as a. Uh, the January 4th as part of the, uh, well, it's been announced, so we both said, yes, that still counts. <laughs> yeah. Wrestle Kingdom in 2023 will be three days, but will be with AEW. We both said likely, and that's false, with Wrestle Kingdom returning to a one day, and uh, one day in New Year's Dash, and then two weeks later, it's got a second Wrestle Kingdom this year, which I believe is the Antonio Noki Memorial Show around the 17th of January. Yeah. Uh, so Alex gets five out of nine, and I get six out of nine for our 2020 uh, likely unlikelies. Going over to yeah. our weird prediction, Alex said John Senior appears on AEW television. And that happened. Granted, it was in a commercial form, but it happened. <laughs> I mean, there's a technicality there, but yeah. <laughs> All out. And uh, I said, WWE is sold by December. Had I worded that to Vince is out of power by December? <laughs> Man. That would have been a lot different, but... Uh, WWE hasn't been sold. Remember this time last year when that was all the talk? Like, the talk was, oh, the company's going to sell. 
<laughs> that hasn't been talked for a while. No, not at all. Oh boy. Um, but I suppose uh, with that we go over to our fourth annual Wazzy Awards, the best and worst of 2022. So I. Uh, the way this is going to work, humans, is I'm going to read out last year's uh, choices in that category. Alex is going to go first, so it doesn't look like he's uh, copying on the radio. <laughs> Much like with right. uh, last year's first five or six categories. <laughs> and then uh, and then I'll go uh, second to close out that, uh, that nomination award. Okay, uh, so first category is Moment of the Year. We award this uh, domestically only. Last year, Alex had said the partnership between PWA and MCW. I said Aussie Indies exploding onto Fight and IWTV. Uh, yeah. What have you got this year, Alex? I think it doesn't get any bigger than the biggest name talent that Australia's exported overseas uh, coming back. And it sort of caught everyone off guard, so I'll have to give it to Buddy Matthews returning to MCW. That is really good. That is an honourable mention for me. Yeah. Uh, Anything else you want to add on to that one? Uh, I mean, I don't think a lot of people saw it coming, just because at the time he was still doing stuff with AEW, so it sort of came a little out of the blue. Um. Yeah, and it was just the biggest name that we've ever sent out that has ever gained like any popularity overseas, has come back home and has come back to where he made his name, where he laid down his roots. And, yeah, it was fantastic moment of the year for me. For me, I'm going to throw a flag on the field here and see if Alex allows it or not. I have one dishonourable mention of the Australian scene. Alright, here we go. Okay. Uh, so we'll uh, see if Alex allows this or not. This may be edited out, humans. For me, as a fan watching, a dishonourable mention has to go to the confusing situation between Melbourne City Wrestling Management and Adam Brooks. So, we have Brooksy announced that he's leaving and MCW put on their socials uh Adam Brooks has left all the best. And then a day later, it's announced, hey, uh, we've worked something out. Brooksy's coming back and he's going to headline Formbury in a championship match against Mitch Waterman for the MCW Heavyweight Championship. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, maybe this is all a storyline. And, you know, he's going to win the title much like uh, Punk did. He's going to leave through the crowd and, you know, uh, renegade champion, as it were, of the company. We haven't seen that play out locally. No. But uh, no, he loses the match and it seems like it's a, a swan song for Brooksy to the, the Thornbury faithful. The, the next month, Russell Land and it's PWA Coliseum in Melbourne, co-promoted by MCW, and Brooksy's back. <laughs> <sighs> and then, okay, okay, you know, this is a co-promoted show with PWA. Maybe they want a big name for for Melbourne, their first show in Victoria. Okay. And then the next month happens. MCW 12th anniversary. And Brooksy's back in a triple threat for the IC title, the Inter-Commonwealth title. 
I mean, what's going on? Yeah, the absolute lack of transparency on either side is just, it's frustrating for the average fan. And I'm not saying you need to give out all the juicy details, just be like, okay, yeah, I I did a one-off. I was back for that one night. And now I'm affiliated on the other side of the PWA-MCW partnership. That's why I was involved. Or just like a little bit of clarification, a little bit of clarity would be nice. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just confusing as a fan watching, seeing Brooksy like leave and then come back the next two shows in a row. Yeah, for um, sure. Uh, so honorable mentions. Yes, Alex already touched off my first one. Uh, Buddy coming back. Uh, also, honourable mention to Jack Bonser accepting Balak Farley's offer to join Bullet Club. Only the third Aussie to do so after Gambino and Eagles. Shingo yep. wrestling for PWA in Sydney. Uh, Renegades of Wrestling begin. Triple J unearthed band Towns plays Jessica F- Troy's Beam live at uh, Black Label Let's Fucking Go. Before the match with Liebird Lucci. Yeah. Uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling announces local promotion. New Japan Pro Wrestling Tamashi. And my final honourable mention goes to PWA Tours Australia's East Coast. Uh, including stops in Gold Coast, Brisbane, Melbourne, Wollongong, Newcastle, Canberra and Sydney. Yeah. But for me, the moment of the year having watched this person on Green Label come to Black Label, the entire storyline going through the Prefect's history, it's yeah. got to be Jimmy Townsend puts the schoolboy on Cherry Stevens, and Cherry Stevens is the first person to kick out of the schoolboy. Yeah, perfect. It's just something that that arena just went, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Uh Oh, man. Yeah, Re- really, really fun choice there. Uh, from yeah. there, we go to weekly series of the year. So, uh, best weekly series of the year internationally, 2022, a clean sweep for AEW Rampage. So, uh, Alex, what do you got this year? I'd just like to bring back that um, in 2019, I gave that award to NWA Power. <laughs> um... And it uh, looks like a return to form for uh, Billy Corgan and uh, Smashing Pumpkins. Uh, no, no, not yet. <laughs> not yet. Maybe. Maybe one day. Who knows? But uh, I've actually given it this year to a show that I thought, um, you know, the last year I was like, oh, it's, it's skippable. But because of a handful of people, uh, I would say about four or five people, it's absolutely become can't-miss television for me, and that's SmackDown. That is a very good choice. Uh, For me, an honourable mention to SmackDown. Yeah, and even, like, during the Vince portion, like, you still had the bloodline running wild. You still had Sheamus every week fucking banger after banger as he says yeah and like um i've just 
it's been carried all year by Sami Zayn. Let's make no bones about it. Sami Zayn has fucking carried that show, and that came out of nowhere. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, fucking oath. Um, there was like talk this time last year that Sami Zayn might not even stay in the company, <laughs> and and then yeah, lo and behold, him and Kevin Owens resigned, and Sami Zayn has been. A megastar he's carried that show and now nowadays is on raw as well because they just know that's where the money is it's Sami Zayn, and yeah you put that and like mind you there are parts of smackdown that aren't that great like to be honest their women's division is completely lackluster and i'm sure we'll get into the fucking debacle that happened on the most recent episode of smackdown the next time we do a wrap but, um, I mean, I did not expect that we'd end the year with Charlotte as champion. What the fuck? Charlotte uh, wins, LOL. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 14, there you go. It was like, oh, oh, let's put... Oh, there's, like, only one person that Alex would care less about as champion on SmackDown. Let's put the belt on that person. <laughs> but anywho... Um, yeah, SmackDown's been fantastic outside of that women's division, which has been very up and down. Um, yeah, SmackDown, show of the year. Yeah, um, that is a really good choice. For me, I went to a show that I enjoyed for almost all the year. Like, there was very little that I didn't like about it. So, honourable mention to Dynamite. I think with the adding of Ring of Honor, it muddied the waters this year <laughs> yeah. in a lot of ways. Uh, a lot of segments sort of felt rushed at portions. Um, Honorable mentioned also to the Ring of Honor Hall of Sh Fame shows, specifically just the Hall of Fame shows, uh, which were like the final shows that Sinclair did before the sale. Yeah. Uh, I still love how... Um, um, Ian Rickabunny and Kerry Silken are presenting the awards and they're just throwing to like a video package of uh, here's Brian Danielson, here's CM Punk and then there's that genuine moment where Rickabunny's like oh there's one more award and he opens a box and it's like for you Kerry Silken yeah that that was amazing uh, but for me best international series of the year I went to TNA Impact no way <laughs> yes I just found Impact was really good most weeks. I enjoy, out of all the major companies I've watched, I enjoy Impact's women's division a lot better. They have a lot more time on their show. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I just feel Impact's a lot more well-rounded as a show, a lot less yep. filler. But from there, now we get to the fun stuff. Worst internationally. 2022, Alex had said NXT 2.0, whereas I said WWE Raw. <laughs> All right, this year, this is such a ass backwards thing because I'm pretty sure, yeah, um, last year this was my best show. Yeah, it was. <laughs> and this year, it's my worst. It's AEW Rampage. It is absolutely unnecessary television viewing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, couldn't agree more there. Um, 
for me, uh, hang on, as I just bring up my notes here. For me, honourable mention to Rampage. <laughs> yep. Honourable mention to NXT UK, which just became nothing and then was actually nothing. <laughs> the, they were a contender, but because the company decided to pull the pin on them, I was like, oh, at least they recognised the show was shit. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I was like, yeah, they're no longer eligible. Uh, Honourable mention to NXT 2.0. Specifically, you just made me stop caring about NXT. Yeah. And But for me, it is still raw. Right. They can change everything all they want. And here's the thing, like, from SummerSlam, which was, what, August? To, To now, we've had, what, it feels like 20 people return on the main roster. Yeah. And I'm not sure if you saw this or not. Uh, Jonah's return uh, with the Miz and Dexter Loomis ladder match. I did see that. Um, Dude. That literally happened like like um, 15 minutes after we finished recording an episode and we were discussing like potentially Jonah wrestling in Wagga. Yeah. Um. <laughs> The saddest thing to me was, and I mentioned this on uh, one of the solo raps, was just the crickets when Jonah appeared. The crowd were on their hands, and it is a factor of diminishing returns. Yeah. It is now the TNA effect of, you remember this guy? Yeah, and the thing is, it's, it's not even like, oh, this guy used to be on the main roster. He was never on the main roster. He was on NXT, and that was it. And admittedly, but even by their own company, that's their developmental brand. They have about a third of the viewing audience of Raw. So there's obviously going to be a crowd disconnect. So that's why you need things like fucking vignettes and hype-up videos to sort of really let the people know who this person is before they show up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, From there, we go to Category 3, Streaming Service of the Year. Best internationally. Last year, Alex and I both agreed on AW Plus on Fight. What do you got this year internationally, Alex? Streaming Service of the Year was actually really tough for me because I feel like this past year there hasn't been like any real developments on either side, like either AEW and WWE is now on KO, but it was a bit, it's a bit too early to sort of include all that. So I just ended up giving it to AEW plus again, because Hey, it hasn't gotten any worse since last year. It's exactly the same. It was my streaming service of the year last year. So why not? Because it, there hasn't been any real massive developments. If I was to give streaming service of the year, I would say uh, Amazon Prime, including Paramount Plus, into their monthly subscriptions, that's service of the year. <laughs> but but um, so now I'm able to watch Paramount Plus in picture on picture and picture on my phone so I can watch, yeah, old seasons of Survivor. <laughs> picture in picture while messaging people so that's cool but but uh unfortunately this isn't about streaming services in general so i guess aw plus yeah i I agree with you aw plus to me 
there wasn't a standout one that overly improved. There wasn't a new one that I started using that I found was really great. Yeah. So, yeah, um, just AW plus again. Uh, I will say the past few days I have uh, sort of dipped my feet in the waters of uh, Wrestle Universe from Noah. Noah, same. And um, pretty decent setup. Yeah, I, I, I've had no issues with that. I'll see. I'll see where it places uh, at the end of the year, uh, yeah. end of next year, I should say. Uh, yeah. What about worst internationally? Last year was a clean sweep for NWA on fight from both of us. Uh, what have you got this year? Alrighty, worst. Uh, worst streaming. Uh, I'm gonna have to give it. I'm going to have to give it to WWE Network. For closing down in Australia? For um, taking up every fucking 20 minutes of a pay-per-view with five minutes of unnecessary ads. Yeah, I suppose if you are watching live, that is a big, big um, oh, deal. Man, it sucks. And especially, like, I, I host pay-per-view viewing parties, right? It's I host pay-per-view viewing parties. I have people come around, and, you know, we get into a match, we get all hyped up, and then it's just this big come down of, like, all right, yeah. Here's this Shotzi Blackheart package on, on SummerSlam when she's not even featured. <laughs> I swear to God, if I have to hear about Bobby Lashley's military background another time in my life, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna beg to be drafted. <laughs> uh, for me, I said uh, dishonorable mention to WWE moving to like Foxtel and what that will hold for the new year, whether we have to sign up through a an account or a whether we can still access it. Uh, but for me, worst streaming service went to Ring of Honor Honor Club for closing <laughs> down completely after the Sinclair sale to Tony Khan. And then Tony Khan only announces its relaunch an hour into the final battle press conference. Yeah, get fucked. Yeah, ridiculous. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Best domestically, 20... See, this is why Alex is going first this year. 2022, clean sweep for DMDU. Uh, what do you got this year, mate? All right, so I've watched a few shows on Fight TV, and um, so I'm not going to give it to any specific promotion. I'm just going to give it to any Aussie promotion that chooses Fight TV as their streaming service, because... It is reliable. We've seen in the past with other providers like OVO Play. <laughs> <laughs> Don't give me flashbacks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The worst the worst part of OVO Play was you are paying for the... Like, if it was a free service and it has ads, I wouldn't have complained. The fact is you are paying and you still had ads mid-match. Yeah, that was the worst. Um, but Fight TV, it's just the perfect place to put your wrestling show. So uh, I'm giving it to Fight, any Aussie promotion on Fight. So that's your PWAs, your Renegades, all that. 
uh, let's see, PWA, Renegade, um, MCW, um, FWA of Sydney as well. Those are the four that I know straight off the top of my and, head. And by the way, 2021, pretty much the only real Aussie wrestling I watched consistently was DMDU on IWTV, so don't fucking give me that copy and bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) It was Uh, like the one thing I watched, so obviously I was picking it. (laughs) Uh, For me, honourable mention to DMDU on IWTV, honourable mention to Renegades of Wrestling on Fight, honourable mention to Riot City Wrestling on YouTube, but yeah, I went back to PWA on fight. Yep, perfect. Oh man, uh, from there, not really much more to add. It's it's great, and I love it so much more than the OVO play days. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fucking know. Oh man, uh, category four announcer or, or announced team of the year. Twenty twenty for best international. Alex had said Taz, where I'd said the core team of AEW. That being. Ross, Shivani, Excalibur, and Taz. Where do you go? That was 2021, not 2020. 2021, yes. Where do you go this year? 2020, I gave it to Tony Shivani with an honourable mention to Samoa Joe. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking crazy, right? Yes. Um, Yeah, so 2022. Now, I don't know if this counts as an announced team, but they were weekly together on announcing, on commentary. And it has to be Excalibur and William Regal. I'll allow it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that it was a weekly thing, and they had a dynamic, and it was the most quoted thing from Dynamite each week. Yeah. No matter what was said. Excalibur, you scrumptious little cupcake, you. Man in the mask. Oh, boy. Man in the mask. Yes. Oh, I miss it. I I'll miss just it gobble you up. <laughs> yeah, I'll just gobble you up. Mm-mm-mm. Uh, yes. Um, for me, a couple of quick honourable mentions. Uh, honourable mention to Rich Taz. <laughs> yeah, he's had a great year. I, I, I think Taz improves so much more this year with the... Uh, disbanding of Team Taz, not having to yeah. worry about that anymore. And he doesn't really commentate hook matches, which is also great. Yeah. So there's no Taz biased. Um, honorable mention to the New Japan English commentary team of Kevin Kelly and Chris Charlton. <laughs> I mean, the guy's trying to say wagga wagga. <laughs> yeah. Bring All... back Gino, though. Bring back Gino. Gino was on the... Uh, the Road to Tokyo Dome shows with Kevin Kelly. Nice. I actually saw on Instagram the other day, Gino has lost a shitload of weight. He is ready to get back in the ring, I reckon. Yeah, good point. I always appreciated Gino, and Gino has a very distinct career. There's the Mr. Juicy, fun-loving comedic baby face where if you're not familiar he's a very Colt Cabana type persona I guess is the best way 100%, to yeah. describe it's, him it's oh like my god great. he even had it's a like... wrestling diaries vlogging series with Elliot Sexton <laughs> yeah it's um 100% like he's a combination of like Grado and Colt Cabana yes that is a good 
good uh, analogy. And then the uh, the big heel turn into Gino Gambino, the Bullet Club member. Yeah. The the king of monsters. Oh yeah, I forgot about that after he defeated Jonah. Yeah, who was his manager? Did he have um Oh Sebastian Walker. S- Sebastian Walker, I loved that. Yeah. I I love Kevin and Gino, but just when you don't have Chris at the booth, you are missing that translations as well. Yeah. That yeah, that's my lone criticism Chris. without Chris. Like, as much as I love Gino, Gino isn't as necessary. Oh. Chris Chris is 100% necessary. For the English audience, yes. Uh, yeah. Final honourable mention to Ian Riccoboni, but somebody who I think went above and beyond this year of my expectations and really came into their own as a commentator, Caprice Coleman. You think those early days when AEW is having Ring of Honor matches on there, it's not Rick and Barney who's joining the desk, it's Caprice. Yeah. And it's Caprice doing a lot of the heavy lifting for the, the Ring of Honor stuff, trying to get something going in the, uh, the early days from a commentator's perspective. Yeah. Uh, from there, worst announcer or announce team of the year internationally uh, last year, Alex had said Chris Jericho from the AEW and Velvet Sky, which was two combinations of it's Chris Jericho, Velvet Sky, Velvet Sky here, folks. Velvet Sky, Velvet Sky. Whereas, <laughs> whereas I said all of WWE, excluding Nigel McGuinness. Um, <laughs> I will say WWE commentators have grown on me this year. But uh, yeah. where do you go this year first, Alex? Uh yeah, uh, I've picked a commentator that didn't even last the full year. Uh, I've picked Jimmy Smith from Raw. Uh, I forgot about him again. <laughs> yeah, and the thing is, like, he was on commentary till like SummerSlam, I think, or just before Survivor Series, even I think. And you've already forgotten about him. Um, Pretty much when the Triple J, Triple H, oh, I almost said Triple J. No, uh, that's Triple the uh, tag team on AEW at the moment. Yeah, yeah. The Triple H regime took over. Uh, Jimmy Smith was bye-bye. And that was a good, very good call because, yeah, it, I've never heard someone that just cared less about what he was watching than Jimmy Smith. What about old, uh, is it Art Donovan? No, yeah. How, How much I... does this guy weigh? <laughs> well, I was going to bring up um, Jimmy Smith had very much a lot of, uh, what was his name? Adnan Verk vibes. Yeah, Does after remember? that initial month, it did go that way. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Uh, for me, dishonorable mention to most of WWE, Booker T in NXT, especially. Why why does he hate all black wrestlers? Who? Booker T. Every time a black wrestler comes out, he's like, oh, this guy just needs to stop dancing. He just needs to wrestle. I don't know. Now that you've pointed <laughs> that hates... out, I'll keep a lookout for it. Yeah, Apollo Crews, The New Day. Like, he even gets stuck into Carmelo Hayes. Like, it's like, what's your problem with black wrestlers? And when he was on the main roster, he'd always tear into, like, 
Naomi and shit, and like Alicia Fox. Maybe he just like, doesn't yeah. like the wrestlers who dance, and a lot of WWE wrestlers who dance are the uh, African American wrestlers. What the fuck did Booker T do? Dance. <laughs> a fucking breakdance move. <laughs> I'm the only one who's allowed to breakdance, damn it. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, good good call on Booker. Um, For me, an obscure dishonorable mention. I don't know how much you've seen of this, but given how much it was talked up when it was first announced it was coming back, Women of Wrestling. Yes. Uh, I went out of my way to find a match because I'm like, What's AJ Lee up to? And it's a match oh, with God. David McLean, Easy Rider, oh, no. Stephen Dickey, and AJ Lee on commentary, a four-person booth, oh, commentating God. this women's match. But think think uh, WrestleMania 35 main event with Renee Young not getting a chance to comment on women's wrestling. Yeah. I'm just like... Why do you have AJ employed and out here on commentary if she's not going to be allowed to comment much then? Wow! <laughs> well, you just need to look into the backstory about David McLean and know how much of a fucking scumbag he is. If you ever watched that Glow series, there was that promoter that was addicted to coke and, like, just trying to have sex with all the women. And his name his name wasn't David McLean because they changed the name of the character for legal purposes. Allegedly. Well, that yeah, that's um, the story that's come out. And there's a lot of validity to those rumours. Uh, but as you said, your choice was somebody who didn't last a year. My choice was somebody who barely lasted a segment. I'm going to <laughs> November 4th, AEW Rampage, I'm Mike Tyson. Dude, I thought it was so horrendous that it was fantastic. <laughs> I, uh, I mean, yeah, we'll get there later. Um, <laughs> best domestically, last year, Alex had said from DMDU, Lord Anticoin, and I said from Right City Arresting, uh, Paul Roberts and Sean Frewster, what do you got this year? I think it's a bit of a return to form of my original winners of this award. It is uh, Chris Fresh and Julian James. Ah, from Wrestle Rock. Yep. Ah, very good choice. Every time they're eligible, they're getting it. <laughs> yeah. Because they are right up my my alley. Their their humor's a bit, you know, it's a bit crass, but it's fun. I, it's fun. I did have them penciled in as an honourable mention this year, as yep. well an honourable mention to Lord Andy Coyne from Deathmatch Down Under and Renegades of Wrestling. Yep. But I went to the team of Andrew Rose and uh, Chris Gale from PWA in Sydney. Yeah, uh, th that's a fantastic commentary team. Never goes astray, those two. Um, and they've really come into their own since... Um, you look back the past three, four years, and they have grown so much as a commentary duo on yeah, live definitely. TV. Definitely. Um, yeah, like a couple of years ago in 2020, they were both of our commentary team of the year. Oh, Alex has his notes open for uh, past awards looking at uh, trends here. I yes. See. Uh, I've just got last year's open at the moment. Um, yeah. 
but we go to category five on the mic or promo of the year. So best internationally last year, Alex had said Miro from AEW. I'd said, wow, this ages well. AEW, CM Punk, the first dance on Rampage. <laughs> what do you got this year, Alex? Because uh, I think we're both eager to get to the uh, next award. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, mine's been a shock, but mine was the most talked about promo of the year. It was the, the promo that had the most ramifications. And God damn it, was it entertaining as fuck to watch. My promo of the year was CM Punk at the All Out press conference. Wow. I didn't think you were going to give that best promo, but uh, <laughs> that's definitely a choice. I'll speak about that soon. Yes, you will. For me, a couple of quick honourable mentions here. We have from AEW, Hangman Page, uh, telling Punk what it means to be a champion about what it means in those quiet moments when the camera's not on. And also uh, telling Mox that he's a man, punching himself be the week before his match with Mox. Yeah, doing the old Mick Foley gimmick. Yep. Uh, Mox on September 7th, following All Out, saying, we're going to leave the old part of wrestling to die with the past generations. Yep. Uh, MJF, all year, an honourable mention, but especially... You fucking Mark. Oh, that was fantastic. There's, uh, I, I quickly just got to say, like, I almost gave the award to uh, MJF talking about, like, being bullied in high school and all that in the build-up to the CM Punk feud. Yeah. Um, an honourable mention of a different kind here, just New Japan Pro Wrestling's handling at the start of Declaration of Power on October 20th with the Antonio Noki Memorial. Yep. But for me, I think it's a choice that we were both shocked by when it happened at the time. Because I remember, and you, I went, are you watching this live? And he, you went, yes. What the fuck is happening? Because <laughs> I go back to June 20th for Impact Wrestling, AJ Styles. Here's to you, Impact Wrestling. <laughs> That's your promo of the year. Crazy. I forgot all about it, to be honest. Yeah, something I didn't see uh, happening with AJ being in WWE. Yep. Hey, we're, we're like 24 hours away from a Wrestle Kingdom show that will feature WWE and AEW and Impact wrestlers on it. Fucking wild. <laughs> Anything's possible. Oh, yeah. Good brother. I was just trying to think, who the hell's wrestling at Wrestle Kingdom <laughs> from yeah. WWE? So we go down to Award 11, worst internationally on the mic. Uh, Alex had said Becky Lynch, specifically her big-time Bex persona, whereas yeah. I'd said Alexa Bliss, specifically her spooky persona with Lily. What do you got this year? So this is the first time in Wazzy's history. Yes. My worst promo of the year. For the exact same reasons that it was the best promo of the year. Is CM Punk at the All Out press conference. Because, yes, it was entertaining. It was fun as hell. It was talked about for ages. And the ramifications of that press conference 
pretty much sucked all the life out of any faith that the diehard AEW fans had. Yeah. Uh, for me, a couple of quick honourables here as well. Uh, uh, Soraya on September 28th saying, I will create change. I'm the revolution. Which was her terrible promotion before the Lumberjack women's match that just seemed to come out of nowhere. Uh, yeah. William Regal on December 8th, I have to go now. My home promotion needs me. <laughs> that weird pre-tape vignette with Shivani. Especially when you find out, like I recently did, that William Regal's actually been at every Dynamite since. What? What? what, what? <laughs> he was backstage at last week's Dynamite. It was his last official, like, taping. He was there, though. Yeah, he was he's contracted until the end of the year. And now the year's over and he's no longer part of the company. But he has been doing stuff behind the scenes for AEW since that promo. Honorable, uh, dishonorable mention to Rick Ross, the biggest boss, Bean Yates, swerve in our glory. Guy dropped like three f bombs on live TV. You're big fuck. You're a big motherfucker. You know that, right? The Aussies don't care about that, but the Yanks sure care about that. Two dishonorable mentions to this next fellow, Wardlow, September seventh. I've been hearing a lot of the internet. The Wardlow's lost it. Wardlow's caught off. <laughs> fuck me, Wardlow. Never has a good promo started with. I've heard a lot on the internet. Also, Wardlow going, Samoa Joe, you are not TV, TNT champion. I am. Days after Joe won the title. And this pre-tape up until that line was fucking amazing. And then he said that. And I'm yeah. just like, dude, you've lost me again. Uh, but yeah, for all the reasons Alex said, the all-out media scrum, a.k.a. CM Punk goes into business for himself complaining about other pieces people going into business for themselves on live tv yeah but you gotta admit yeah it was the worst promo of the year but it was also the fucking best man it was uh was it wrestle wrestle crap award winning <laughs> yeah but it was so like if it didn't have the negative fallout that it had and it just turned into like all right there was a bit of shoot shit there but it turns into a worked storyline it's a fucking promo of the year. But b because of everything that happened after the press conference, that's why it's the worst promo of the year. Best domestically, last year Alex had said the PWA comeback video, uh, which was their return. Uh, I'd said uh, specifically Joel Bateman of DMDU. All right, so I've given it to one person this year who I think has been consistent. Um, I will talk about the rivalry that he had a little bit more later, but it's another fantastic year for Rocky Monero. That's that's really good, yeah. Yeah. Uh, his stuff in MCW this past year, Daddy's Home, it's been fantastic. I, I agree with that. Uh, late honourable mention for me for that one. Um, but for me, I went to Renegades of Wrestling, Lockie Hendricks, his uh, promo in-ring on the first Renegades of Wrestling show, how he cuts the 
two core values of Australian wrestling. Do you remember this? Yeah, that's right. Wrestling should be for everyone and that we need to work together in that. Uh, yeah, I thought just that, thinking back to these awards, what really stood out for me this year, and it was actually, yeah, Primo rather than one person. Uh, so from there, Category 6, Feud or Rivalry of the Year, Best Internationally. Last year, Alex had said from GCW, Nick Gage versus Matt Cardona, where I had said... AEW's Kenny Omega versus Hangman Adam Page. Where do we go this year for you, my friend? Yeah, so my feud of the year <laughs> is The Elite versus CM Punk, Ace Steel, and Larry the Dog. Care to uh, elaborate on that? There has been no feud and no fucking kerfuffle that has had more immediate ramifications to a wrestling company in recent years than this one. Uh, because of this, AEW lost their champion. <laughs> they lost their first ever trios champs. Um, they lost the backstage producer. Uh, a fucking full-grown man bit another dude who was just trying to protect a dog, allegedly. And yeah, so I had to include... Uh, Sam Punk, Steel, and Larry versus the Elite, because... And Larry. Yeah, uh, Larry played an important role in all of this, and it is 100% the most talked-about feud of 2022. Uh, for me, this will shock you. I went to WWE, and I went to... What? Say it. What feud actually had staying power over the course of the year for the six months that it went on? It's still being hinted at online and in one person's promos on TV. That's Seth versus Cody. Seth Rollins versus Cody Rhodes. Fucking oath it is. It was uh, my runner-up. I was obviously going to try to give Cody as many awards as possible, but the whole Sam Punk thing just changed all that. Um, yeah, so that was my runner-up, and uh, MJF versus CM Punk at the start of the year was another honourable mention for me. I was thinking of that, and then I'm like, well, Punk's gone. That was supposed to be Punk and MJF for the world title at full gear. That's where it was supposed yep. to come full circle. Their rivalries won a piece. It was supposed to be the third match because, you know, Tony Khan likes to market those big deciding matches. So, yeah, that's yep. like a, where I've experienced that in Fugs. Uh, Tony Khan got to experience that as a real-life booker of the second biggest promotion in North America and arguably the third or second biggest in the world. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Uh, worst internationally feud or rivalry. Uh, last year, Alex had said, AEW's Cody Rhodes versus The Factory. I had said WWE <laughs> Charlotte Flair versus Rhea Ripley. Right. I mean, it was at a stage where Rhea was supposed to be coming to the main roster and she just sort of lost to Charlotte again after being in NXT the previous year. Uh, but what do you got this year? I have a feeling there's a possibility we have the same answer for this one. And mine is Edge versus The Judgment Day. No. Fuck. I thought for sure The Judgment Day was going to get a mention in this one for you. Uh, the fucking never-ending fucking feud uh, involving the Judgment Day and anyone. Just make my worst feud of the year of Judgment Day versus anyone. 
Judgment Day versus AJ because it's been going since before WrestleMania. Yeah, that that's part of it too. Like, but specifically the Edge portion because of how little sense it made. Because it started with Edge and the Judgment Day, Damian Priest, beating Finn and AJ. Pinning Finn, mind you. Pinning Finn. And then the next night on Raw, they're like, actually, we're replacing Edge with the guy that he pinned last night. (laughs) It makes no fucking sense. For me, I went AEW again, and this was a guy coming off, like, a career-changing rivalry, finally getting that big win, and what does he do? He immediately, rather than reaching for that brass ring up the card... He decides to tumble down the stairs and drops down the card. Wardlow versus Mark Sterling and security. Oh, man. Yeah. Dude. Like, okay, say you're booking fugs. Um, If you had... I don't know, I'm just trying to think of one of your top guys. Uh, Edge in fugs. Okay, you have someone beat Edge as like a career-defining move for them in Fugs, and then all of a sudden they're beating, I don't know, Jobber to the stars, (laughs) feuding with them for three, four months. Yeah, it'd be like, I don't know, like uh, on my roster or in my past rosters, I've had like Honky Tonk Man, so it goes like, oh, you, you, you beat Edge and then you go lose or you go start feuding with the Honky Tonk Man. Like, yeah, no, makes no sense. Um, yeah, 100%. I agree with that. I forgot all about it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Uh, I think a lot of these are worst of. We occasionally remind ourselves of, oh, yeah, that was a thing. So I was I was actually originally going to give worst feud of the year to CM Punk, uh, Larry the Dog and A-Steel versus the Elite and do the whole double thing again. But I was like fuck it, we need to mention how shit the Judgment Day are. Best domestically uh, feudal rivalry. Last year, Alex had said the PWA versus MCW feud, whereas I said uh, Rocky Rocky Monero versus RCW. What do you got this year? My feud of the year is from MCW in particular. It is Rocky Monero versus Slex. And in particular, Rocky Monero and the family versus Slex and MCW. Yeah, that that is a really good one, actually. Yeah, especially because it's all paid off at the very end of the year by the Pereira turning on Rocky Monero. No, how could they? They've been together so long. Yeah, so uh, I think it's been fantastic. There was that awesome cage match. Like, oh, it's been so good. For me, I went... uh, Back to PWA again. I'm going to a tag team rivalry of MK Plus Ultra versus the Velocities. Yeah, perfect. Two meetings each this year, plus a uh, four-way match to kick off the year, four-way tag match, that is, where MK Ultra uh, pinned the Velocities. Then their second match where I believe the uh, MK wins to retain, and then their third match to close out the year, which is a dual uh, tag team match with another small promotion from Sydney where the Velocities win. So it's uh, been a a feud and a tag team feud that's been going on 
sort of on and off for a few years, but it really felt like a, a big time feud this year with their big three meetings across the year. Yeah, 100%. So we go to category seven here, rising star of the year. Uh, first off, best male internationally. Last year, Queen Sleep for Hook from AEW. All right, international rising star of the year. So this has been tough because I've actually mentioned on a previous um, rap that uh, one of my international rising stars of the year recently won a belt, so they can't technically be a rising star anymore. Surely not. But uh, my male international rising star of the year is Powerhouse Hobbs. Um, There is just absolute can't-miss money with that dude. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. He's definitely got something. He just he just needs the company to to fully get behind him for that next level in uh, twenty twenty three. A hundred percent. For me, I went to uh, TNA Impact Wrestling, and I said uh, Mike Bailey. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. That's fantastic. Yeah. Someone I hadn't really heard of that much uh, the previous year didn't really pay much attention to him. Iron Man of uh, the Indies over WrestleMania weekend. Nine matches. <laughs> and then, yeah, yeah, held the year and impact uh, the X Division champion for a, a few months there as well. Yep, 100%. Best female internationally. Last year, Alex had said uh, Jade Cargill, whereas I said Tay Conti, both from uh, AW. Yeah, so uh, once again, I go to a Jade. I go to Cora Jade from NXT. I think um, originally I had Roxanne Perez written down, uh, but then she won the women's title, so it's like, is she really a rising star if she's the main champ on her brand? No. Um, so I've given it to Cora Jade. Uh, she had a fantastic feud early in the year with Mandy Rose. Probably should have won the belt, to be honest. Uh, but then she's had this heel turn. She's done this mean girl of NXT gimmick, and it's actually quite fantastic. So, yeah, I think she's got the superstar look. She's got all the ability, and she's got a huge future. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, for me, best female internationally, I went outside of sort of the, the main promotions here. I went to somebody who left a real impact on me with their presentation on... Um, WrestleMania weekend, notably the uh, GCW Effie's Big Gay Brunch. And that's probably someone you haven't heard of, Kid Bandit, who is... A hundred percent, yeah. I know exactly who you're talking about. They say they're a non-binary trans femme performer. Uh, there was a big gif a while ago going around of them doing, um, like, dueling kendo stick spots, and they do a cool pose in the ring. And I think it's Sandman just hits him with a cane. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's... And they're very young as well. They're from the Philippines. They have a huge future if they can get a couple of breaks in this industry. Yeah. Um, yeah, somebody I look forward to uh, seeing on more GCW shows, especially if he's Big Gay Brunch next year. Uh Best male domestically. Last year, Alex had said the tag team of Big Dude Energy, Ricky Gilmore and Big Day from DMDU. I'd said uh, from yeah. Ring, uh, was it Right City Wrestling, Katie Trey, 
Uh, where do you go this year, mate? So I've gone for someone um, who in particular had a match against uh, Matt Hayter for the RCW title at DMDU. Uh, I'm going for, and they've been on the scene for a little while, but I feel like this past year they've really just uh, stepped it up, and that's Kid Valiant. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good choice. They have been wrestling a lot this year. Yeah, and they're just getting put in more and more prominent spots. Uh, that match with Matt Hayter, fantastic. Uh, for me, I went to PWA, somebody who uh, made their return to wrestling sort of post-pandemic. They use he-she pronouns, so I chose Nikki Van Blair. Perfect. Uh, somebody in the past who has teamed a lot with um, Candy Lee when they come over to Australia, but is now teaming with uh, Frankie B, who was a, uh, yeah. was it the general manager of Future Wrestling Australia in Sydney for a while, renamed it Frankie Wrestling Australia for a bit. So, uh, yeah, it's good to see them. Be interesting to see uh, where he can uh, place uh, going forward as they did wrestle a fair bit on a green label. Best female domestically. I mean, Alex was right on the money last year from Rice City Wrestling Delta, and I had said uh, PWA's Cherry Stevens. So, uh, uh, they were both on the money, mate. Both, uh, both <laughs> getting gold there. Yeah, they, they were both. They were probably the two biggest female names outside of the usuals. You know, your your Shazzers, your Jessica Troys. But, yeah, so they definitely rose this past year. Where do you go this year? Okay, so I'm going for someone who um, did a fair bit uh, in New South Wales this year uh, with PWA and uh, did a fair bit over at Nui Pro and all that sort of stuff. Um, five years of experience, so it's been around a little bit. Lena Cross. Oh, Wow. That, yeah, that's a really good choice. Not a name you hear too much outside of uh, outside the events they appear on, but yeah, somebody with a lot of potential, I feel. Yeah, and I've gone like really like, all right, I'm fucking picking real grassroots here. I'm picking someone that like maybe no one's heard of or hasn't heard a lot of, but there's a superstar look, there's superstar ability and fantastic on Twitter. So... And to be successful in the indie scene these days, you have to be fucking good at Twitter. Lena Cross from Perth, Western Australia. Five years experience, yep. yeah. Uh, just having a quick look through the matches here. Nui Pro. There was, there was a really fun match with Big Fudge recently. Oh, wow. Uh, they did a tour of Sendai Girls in November and December in Tokyo, Japan. Yep. Well, uh, yeah, you are right on the money there, it seems, my friend. Yeah, trust me, she's going to be a big deal. And also, recently on Twitter, Shaz McKenzie has come out and just, like, hyped up the sh hyped the shit out of Lena Cross. It's like, okay, Shaz McKenzie is probably one of the more trusted, like, female Aussie wrestlers uh, internationally for, like, those indie sort of promotions. The fact that... Shaz has gone out and said, like, oh, yeah, Lena Cross, that's where it's at. That means Lena Cross is going to get some huge bookings in the future, I bet. Yeah, uh, for me, I went to somebody as well because it's interesting to see, like, um, some of these people, how much experience they have 
as I uh, also now looking this up. From Newcastle, New South Wales, three years of experience, Rochelle Rogue. Nice. Yep. Fantastic talent. So this past year wrestled in FWA of Sydney, Tasmania Championship Wrestling of Launceston, DMDU of Melbourne, and Nui Pro Wrestling of Newcastle. I mean, um, she does team regularly with um, uh, the Buccaneer. I'm just trying to think of their third member as part of the Pirates, uh, notably in FWA. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it is interesting to see um, all these wrestlers starting to come back now the country is finally opened up again. Yeah, God damn it. I'm just looking back on previous years. Um, I've got, like, the full history of this award. Oh, okay. Uh, go ahead. From 2019. So 2019, Domestic Rising Star of the Year. Your choices were Richie Taylor and Steph DeLando. Oh, poor Richie. But you were pretty fucking bang on the money there. Uh, my choices were Avery and Maddie Wahlberg. I mean, great choices again. Uh, 2020, your choices were Liabird Lucci and Izzy Shaw. Yeah. Um, and my choices were Kingsley and Donnie Mako. <laughs> I mean, Donnie Mako, like... There's still potential. Still potential. I love him. Shark, bro. Yeah, and then last year, you picked Katie Trey and Cherry Stevens. I picked as my male uh, rising star, big dude energy. I picked two people. Yeah, but you've uh, seen what happened with them in DMDU. Oh, I'll talk about them later. Ooh. ooh. Uh, yes. Oh, man. Um. So, yeah, we go down to uh, our next award. Oh, that seems very timely. We're just talking about tag team. It is Tag Team Stable or Faction of the Year. Uh, we start things off with Best Male Internationally. Last year, Alex had said Sting and Darby Allen. I'd said Jurassic Express uh, across the year, which included Luchasaurus, Jungle Boy, Marco Stunt, and later Christian Cage. Uh, there's just one option for me. Yeah? Like, I don't even have honourable mentions. It's FTR. Okay. It's 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 a thousand percent FTR, and the... Actually, the one honourable mention is the Briscoes because they had FTR's best matches. Oh, I mean, for me, honourable mention to the Bloodline. Yeah, but the problem is, like, it's all it's all gimmick. Are we talking about a combination of gimmick and and matches? Because name a memorable, like, Usos tag match from this year. Um, Randy and Matt Riddle to unify the titles, but that's probably it. Yeah, uh, when did that match happen? Uh, it was supposed to happen payback, but it happened, like, a smackdown or two afterwards. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um... But I, I do agree. I do agree that the Bloodline are a great shout. Second honourable mention, and it hurts me not to say Team of the Year. <laughs> From New Japan Pro Wrestling, for the final time, Suzuki-gun. Yeah. Man, leave the memories alone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I suppose now that I have a Wrestle Universe, I can go back and uh, watch some Suzuki-gun in Noah. <laughs> Fucking good, good call, man. Uh, yeah, good call. And uh, but yes, 
I do have to agree with Alex, as much as it pains me not to give it to, to Suzuki-gun, it's got to be FTR. Not only AEW, Ring of Honor, AAA, the New Japan stuff, <laughs> and uh, Ref Pro. These guys have wrestled everywhere. Great matches with a uh, great match with Aussie Open, which should have been the Wrestle Kingdom match. You spent the whole tournament setting up the rematch with Aussie Open, and then it's like, lol, Goto wins. <laughs> Their rivalry with the Briscoes, which I couldn't yep. give Feudal Rivalry of the Year to because that last one was just set up so lazily. Yeah. Uh, I, I, it was honestly Rivalry of the Year until you did that lazy setup for that final match. Yeah. Uh, their matches with the Briscoes, their matches in AEW with so many others. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it's got to be. It's got to be. I can't comment on the uh, AAA matches because I don't watch too much AAA, but uh, yeah, it's got to be. Uh, best female internationally. Last year, Alex had said Toxic Attraction, Mandy Rose, Gigi Dolan, and JC Jane. I think I might have gave them an honourable last year. I don't remember, but I said uh, Tay J, Anna J, and Tay Conti were my choice. Uh, you just sort of have to look at what's happened in the past year to try to figure out. Oh, out of a tag team slash stable, who's had the most success? It's Britt Baker, Jamie Hayter, and Chuck Rebel in there as well. Fuck it. Yeah, for me. They are an honourable mention. Just simply because of the fact they wrestle more like two singles wrestlers in a joint unit than an actual tag team. Yeah, so I sort of... Like, this is the tag team slash stable category. So I sort of consider them more of a stable than a tag team. Yeah, that's fair enough yeah. too. Uh, other honourable mentions, mostly for the gimmick it's... I gave a nod there to the baddies of Jade Cargill, Layla Gray, Red Velvet, and Kira Hogan. It's certainly yep. not going to their wrestling. I... <laughs> <laughs> An honourable mention, and this is purely from the uh, historic X-Over event of how much they impressed me, Black Desire from Oedo Tai, that's Momo Watanabe and Starlight Kid, as well yep. as the team as, of Melter, from the Cosmic Angels faction of Stardom, Tam Nakano and Natsupori. But I gave my award this year to Toxic Attraction, Rose, Dolan and Jane, and yes, I had this locked in before everything went down. Uh, I felt yeah. Mandy is the year-long champion, Dolan and Jane sort of hovering around that tag team uh, division for a while. They went and challenged for the main roster tag team titles in that tournament as a filler team but yeah i felt like uh that to me was the best um female unit and yeah it'll be interesting to see what's going to happen in the couple months there going with uh toxic attraction the tag team of gg dolan and jc jane yep 100 percent uh worst internationally and i think both of these are still good choices AEW's the factory was the choice for alex whereas New Japan Bullet Club subgroup, The House of Torture, was my choice. Uh, is it a repeat for you, or do you have worse? Uh, I do. I, I do have worse. Oh, gosh. It is Schism from NXT 
featuring Joe Gacy, uh, the former um, grizzled young vets, and Dwayne Johnson's daughter. Oh, didn't they give her a new name? Oh, what is it? What is it? Ava Rain, because schism are a tree with solid roots and they need their rain. What the fuck does that even mean? This is why I don't watch NXT that much anymore. I watch the uh, takeovers. I've been, I've been watching too much of it, and it's just like, oh my god, how did you come out of the ball sack of someone so talented? But anyway, uh, I could say that about a lot of WWE signed people anyway. Um, I can't give that an honourable mention just because I don't watch that much NXT, but Joe Gacy leading another group sounds terrible. For yep. me, I have a lot of obscure honourable mentions here. So first off, Blackpool Combat Club, mainly for the follow-up to the uh, Full Gear pay-per-view and what is going on with this faction now. That's why that's an honourable. Yep. Here's a few that you might have forgot. War Joe, Wardlow and Samoa Joe. Oh, fuck. Hey, do you remember how important this group was? Two pay-per-views ago? The Firm! Oh, fuck off. Forgot about that. Uh, Hathaway, Ethan Page, Morrissey, Austin and Colton Gunn, Lee Moriarty, along with now uh, Cassidy, Quinn and Matt Hardy. Yeah. I couldn't give them my award because of how short-lived this was. From Ring of Honor... The eight-day short-lived group that was Tully Blanchard Enterprises. Yes, that's right. Tully Blanchard, Jonathan Gresham, Brian Cage, and the Gates of Agony, Khan and Toa. Fucking hell. But my worst group is The Judgment Day, Edge, Bella, Priest, and Dominic. Yeah, shit. Yeah, they had to get their mention from you. Yeah. That was you. Oh, boy. Yeah, it, it, it confusing booking at best. Annoying television at worst. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Uh, now, worst female group internationally. Last year, Alex had said Rosemary Tire Valkyrie because it was a, a weird expl- explanation of a return of Tire Valkyrie and Rosemary not being angry and uh, TNA being TNA. Whereas I said Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax. Holy shit. I do not have that. Hang on, let me just quickly think. <laughs> I can go first if you need. <laughs> yeah, because I don't have it. I d- didn't have that category written down. I'll get it. I'll get it. Dishonorable mention to WWE for the tag team that was Aaliyah and Raquel Rodriguez. They held the title for about two weeks and then were injured and then were both off TV. Yeah. Uh, but my honorable men- uh Worst tag team goes to Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler. It just feels like too little, too late. It should be good. That's the problem. It's It could have been great. but ugh. This is something that was set up in the Rumble this year. And yeah. like it feels like they only just got around to it in October. Yeah, they had to wait for the regime change so they could try to make sense of it all. But no. Um, yeah, fucking horrendous. Absolutely woeful. Uh, my worst tag team of the year, females. Uh, just because of the irreparable damage it did to the, the division, Sasha Banks and Naomi. Yeah. They fucking killed the division. 
don't try to tell me otherwise. That division died because of them and because of, hey, maybe it was Naomi's first time making these actions, but definitely wasn't Sasha's first time. Best male tag team domestically. Award 24. Uh, last year, Alex had said the Velocities, Jude London and Paris De Silva, whereas I said blacklisted from DMDU. That's Fox at JXT. Uh, where do you go this year? Ah, uh, this year. It is the perfect fucking full circle story for me. It is big dude energy. Absolutely dominating DMDU. They are... Absolutely can't miss talents. Both look like a million bucks. Insane charisma. Great chemistry. Love them. Yep. Couldn't agree more. Uh, for me, I went with an honourable mention to MK Plus Ultra, Kai Drake and Michael Spencer. But I went with The Velocities, Jude London and Paris De Silva from PWA. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> Dude. Yeah, both both great tag teams in their own right. Now, this... Yeah, will... I, I, I thought about giving it to them, but I was like, oh, I'll give it to someone different just because I'm pretty sure they win it at least for once from one of us every year. <laughs> probably, probably. <laughs> uh, now, Award 25, Best Female Domestically. Originally, there was a lot more women's tag teams and then the pandemic happened and because some tag team partners are across state borders or live in different towns. There hasn't really been this much the past few years. So if you don't have one this year, you can abstain from voting and we'll uh, review how we feel about this next year. But I have a team. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I had NA written down here. I couldn't do it. Like the closest I could get was like, hey, did Charlie Evans and Jessica Troy still hang out? Not really, since they broke up, yeah. Uh, yeah. So last year, we both said the nation's team of Jessica Troy and Charlie Evans. It is a category, unfortunately, that whilst there are so many talented women in this country, the country is so large that it's a sort of a, a division that's um rarely showcased. So, yeah. and for me, I was looking for somebody who teamed at least twice. And yeah. I had to go to all promotions outside of the big five of the uh, the current area. I went to Tasmania Championship Wrestling for the Melbourne Mean Girls, Kathy Lux and Skylar Cruz. Fucking hell. I know Skylar Cruz is very green in MCW, but that was one, one of the few teams that I found and that teamed regularly this year. So yeah. I think uh, next year we're going to see how it plays out uh, 2023 for women's tag team wrestling in this country. Otherwise, yeah. it might be a uh, award that we uh, put into recess or um, remove yeah. going forward. Yeah, for sure. Uh, from there, we go to Category 9 of the Year, Wrestler of the Year. So we look at Best Male Internationally first as a... Alex had said, the king of this shit, all fucking day, Nick fucking Gage of GCW. And I had said, Roman Reigns, something I never thought I would say in the same sentence. Yeah. <laughs> Best male internationally in Roman Reigns. Uh, 
there was a direction I really wanted to go for this year because he was legitimately eligible until he got injured. And then I looked back at the past year and I was like, oh, fuck, this person's feud before the Royal Rumble? Fantastic. This person carried a WrestleMania rivalry by himself and then had a few more fantastic matches. Oh, and then guess what? He had a SummerSlam feud, which he had to basically carry by himself because someone secretly got suspended. My wrestler of the year is Seth freaking Rollins. <laughs> he is the only reason worth watching Raw. <laughs> and he makes he makes me endure three, oh, well, like two hours and 15 minutes of bullshit just to see him. I suppose the question I have following up that is, do you still watch Raw Live or do you watch it on tape delay so you can fast forward through stuff? Occasionally I watch it live. Yeah. If we weren't recording right now, I would be watching it live just because I've got the time at the moment. Yeah. More often than not, it's a watch it afterwards, scroll through. Yeah. And yeah. It is a lot of filler. Uh, For me, best male internationally. Can I just give an honourable mention to the one, the only, from Big Time Wrestling, the Dreamboat, Ricky Steamboat. <laughs> Fucking oath, he's still got it. Uh, yes, uh, as I'll uh, mention in a couple of categories time, another Rick. But uh, my male of the year, somebody who came back to wrestling this year after taking a year off for personal re- uh, time off for personal reasons at the end of last year, then finally getting to a point where he can have a holiday, you know, do stuff with his family, shit hits the fans, and he goes, fuck it, looks like I'm staying. John Moxley. John Moxley is my choice. Fair shout. Fair shout. And you fucking hated his original title reign, and that tells you what he's done since. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I I was not a fan. No, and... Oh, my God. So let's quickly just run back on the history of this award. Ooh. Like, you mentioned 2021s. Like, I picked Nick Gage. You picked Roman Reigns. 2019, I picked Cody Rhodes. You picked Will Ospreay. 2020, I picked Cody Rhodes. You picked Jay White. I mean, Jay's still doing his thing over in New Japan. I had an unreal amount of honourable mentions the last couple of years, like last year, my honourable mentions were Matt Cardona, Brian Danielson, Kenny Omega, and Roman Reigns. But yeah, I just wanted to bring up that Cody Rhodes was... <laughs> it, it's basically the Cody Rhodes Award for Wrestler of the Year. He would have, he legit would have won it this year if he didn't get injured. <laughs> Where did he place last year? <laughs> well, what's our next category? Oh, yes, yes, we'll get there shortly. Uh I suppose first, best female internationally. Last year, Alex had said Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. And I had said from Impact, Diana Perrazzo. Poor old Diana, she's stuck over at Impact. Yeah, so I just want to give a quick shout out to Jordan Grace. Uh, the improvements have been tremendous, except her Twitter, uh, her Twitter activity can get fucked. Big Mama Pump. Yeah, Big Mama Pump. Um, but my 2022 female wrestler of the year has to be Jamie Hayter because of the natural progression she's had. 
carried by the fans. You son of a bitch. Are you copying me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want Jamie Hayter as well, but I do want to give a quick shout-out to um, an honourable mention here to Kyrie of, uh, I suppose, New Japan Pro Wrestling and Stardom yeah. because she's signed with New Japan, I believe, or it's something weird like that <laughs> with her contract. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I do want to catch a bit more Stardom this year, but we'll see how we go. Uh, yeah. yeah, Jamie coming in, they should have pulled the trigger on her at all, was it, all out, but didn't, and yeah, yeah. course corrected the following pay-per-view. Previous winners include uh, 2019, I picked Shayna Baszler, you picked someone, we'll redact that. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> 2020, it was a unanimous Bailey year, which, yeah, I still stick with, 2021, I picked Britt Baker, you picked Dionna Perrazzo, and I think big things happening for Dionna Perrazzo soon, I hope. Yes, one can hope. From there, worst male internationally. 20, uh, was it 2021? Alex had said, from AEW, Chris Jericho and Cody Rhodes, where I had said (laughs) Bill Goldberg from WWE. I mean, the guy had a match this year. Let's see where Alex goes first. All right, so uh, another requirement for this award is like, yeah, you can pick someone that had a one-off bad match, or you can pick someone that was consistently put in a high position and consistently failed. Like, yeah, there's two ways to give this award, and I've gone for the latter here. I've picked someone that was consistently given chances, consistently the crowd just couldn't give two shits about him. And I've picked Austin Theory. Nah. I I wouldn't say Ricochet was put in uh, any majorly prominent positions, but Austin Theory, man. The fucking Pat McAfee thing. Like, if it wasn't for Pat, that thing never would have gotten over. And it took busting out a bloody 70-year-old man in a black singlet to make that whole thing worth the wait. Um, and then the money in the bank thing, his fucking shitty feuds with Bobby Lashley, his shitty feuds recently, like, and now they put him with Seth and, you know, Seth's working his butt off, but it's just, it's just bland, man. He's got no fucking personality. His face is just, his face annoys the shit out of me. Um, just fucking hell. Like, how how is someone good-looking but so hard to look at? I have two honourable mentions, okay? First of all, yes, Sam Punk for going into business for himself at the All Out press conference. Yeah. But also, from Ring of Honor, Jonathan Gresham, apparently telling Tony Khan that he's PWI 500 number 20, I mean, yeah. by that logic, Rich One, who's number 10, should be in line to the Ring of Honor title. Get over yourself. By the, by that logic, bloody Dean Malenko should have been WCW World Champ in 1998 because he was PWI number one on the 597. Um, yeah. By that logic, in, was it 2007, Madison Eagles should have been signed to WWE? 
still should have. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, well, uh, but yes, as Alex alluded to, there's two ways you can go with this award, and I went the opposite of him. I yeah. look to Jim Crocker Promotions, and I look to Ric Flair. Yep. It Fair. it went from the point of curiosity to okay, he's doing all right to oh, he is old to oh no, this doesn't look good to. Oh, God, please don't die. I almost gave the award to Jeff Jarrett for being, in, for being involved in some of my most in, hated feuds of the year. Okay, list off what Jarrett's done then. There's an honourable well, mention. The, uh, invading fucking GCW, building up that feud with Effie, only for him to beat Effie, squash Effie, and never come back to the promotion. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, the fucking Ric Flair feud just sucked. It just completely sucked. Um, yeah, the match ended up being okay, but the fucking Sting Darby Allen feud sucked. And now there's this feud with the acclaimed... Oh, and let's also just remember that he was hired as fucking VP of live events for WWE in the middle of all this and got fired. Um, and now there's this feud with the acclaimed, and I don't know if you've seen today the fucking mental breakdown Karen Jarrett's had on Twitter. Oh, because no. Because of the rap that Max Caster did. And now fucking Karen Jarrett for the past week has just been bitching and complaining about, like, people always bringing up the Kurt Angle stuff. And then she basically outed today that Kurt Angle, that her and Kurt Angle broke up just before he signed with TNA because Kurt Angle cheated on her with Dawn Marie and Kelly Kelly. She just flat out said it. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, yeah, I see. I see that now. Um, hmm. Yeah, so just everything Jeff Jarrett touches is like, yeah, I fucking love Jeff Jarrett still. I fucking love him. But the fact that everything he touched this year just went to shit. Fair enough. I suppose uh, speaking of uh, worst females... Uh... Where do you go worst female internationally? Because last year, you had said Charlotte Flair. I had said Rhea Ripley, mostly for the booking. Uh, that was that was tough for you. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I have a feeling we there's a possibility that we're in agreement here. Uh, Ronda Rousey, you're the worst. You've in 2022. You have absolutely no mainstream draw. Uh, you have said some of the worst shit online imaginable. And you get brought back into the company, fucking completely hijack the Royal Rumble, completely hijack WrestleMania. We have to endure a fucking Charlotte versus Ronda where neither person wants to try to sell because they, they're they both fucking selfish pieces of crap when it comes to wrestling. And then we had to endure that. Then we had to endure, all right, cool. They've put money in the bank on Liv Morgan. And then Liv Morgan beats Ronda. Ronda's like, yeah, yeah, good shit. And then Ronda turns heel and then immediately wins the belt back. 
is put with Shayna. And for some reason, it's just, it's just shit. It's just shit. The only reason it could ever be good is if we get Shayna Baszler beating Ronda Rousey at WrestleMania. It's the only way it's worth it. And then we had to endure that Survivor Series match. Ronda versus Shotzi. Fuck. Yep. Um, I mean, I'm going to say an honourable mention to Ronda, but I, oh. did not, I did not choose her. Uh, also, honourable mention to Madison Rain. Yep, fair. <laughs> but um, I went to somebody who won the title and then was just confusing booking. Like, I couldn't get if they were supposed to be a face or a heel at points. They were doing weird stuff. They were crying every week. Liv Morgan. Liv Morgan. Just, no. No Liv. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, that that title run was a bit confusing. Okay. Uh, we go down to best male wrestler domestically in last year with Clean sweep agreed for Royce Chambers from DMDU. Yeah, and um, my pick this year is of a very similar sort of uh, realm. And I think this might actually surprise you. Um, my pick this year for 2022, Mal Wrestler. Emin the Kid. Yeah, I think that that might not have been your first thought of what I would pick but you know I'm not the biggest flippy floppy guy but this dude's young or at least he looks real young I don't know his exact age but he's young and he's got all the talent in the world he's what five foot four but he can do some insane shit uh you know his trainer was who was it Carlo Cannon oh well that fucking makes sense Carlo Cannon, that's my boy. Um, we come from a similar island. <laughs> uh, oh, Emily Kid's Malaysian. I thought he was Filipino as well. Um, but he pretty much topped the year by winning the Intercommonwealth title. <laughs> Against who? Fucking two of the biggest names in Australian wrestling. Mick Moretti and fucking Adam Brooks. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a really good choice. For me, yeah. for me, I went to somebody from PWA, and I went with Ricky South. Need I say more? That was my runner-up. <laughs> Ricky, now that he's back, now that he's healthy, he unified the lineal and interim PWA championships in that cage match against Moretti. So, yeah. I mean, it should be hopefully smooth sailing for Ricky from here on out and hopefully no more injuries. I just want to quickly like touch back that like on in 2020 we both picked Rocky Monero. In 2021 we both picked Royce Chambers. In 2019 we both picked Slex and Matty Wahlberg. This is the first time in this awards history that we have different choices. Really? Yeah. Wow. And I'd also like to point out that in 2019, I gave Matty Wahlberg both my rising star and the best male wrestler of the year. 
I think I'm just like, oh, whatever, we'll let it slide. It's Warburg, he's not going to do much. That survivor guy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, best female domestically. Uh, we both agree, DMDU Aisha. Alrighty. Uh, this year, uh, I've completed another fucking Nostradamus act here. From Rising Star last year to Best of the Year this year, Delta. <laughs> I, I must say, that is an honourable mention for me, for the girl from um, Townsville. Delta is my type. Like, of wrestler, like, there's just nothing better. Just powerhouse, just, ah. Oh. And in this sort of indie climate, that shit stands out. Uh, I suppose for the uh, the humans who are listening, not familiar with Delta, she's very similar to a Rhea Ripley, a yeah. Demi Bennett of uh, Wright City in Rhea's uh, I, I indie days. Like, I would say like an even jack more jacked up Rhea Ripley. True. <laughs> like this is like Rhea Ripley in China. Were like, oh man, imagine if we could get bigger. Ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, mess. Yes. Very good year for her, topping it off with uh, winning the uh, MCW Women's Championship from the woman I said was my pick for best female wrestler domestically, Jessica yep. Troy. Yep, so we've both uh, upgraded our rising stars to wrestler of the year this year. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's, there's rarely a year I think we've done this where Jess doesn't at least get an honourable mention from one of us or an actual award for best uh, female wrestler because she is probably, outside of Madison Eagles, she would be probably the best female wrestler in this country. Yep, 2020, we both uh, said Jessica Troy. 2019, we both picked Avery with Jessica Troy as both of our first honourable mentions. 2021, we both picked Aisha. Shit, so this is another category where we finally got a different uh, answer. Yeah, 2021, we both had Jessica Troy as our first honourable mentions. So we go through to the last three big awards here. Uh, Starting off, Category 10, Company of the Year. Uh, Best internationally, we both agreed last year for AEW All Elite Wrestling. Is it a repeat for you, Alex? It is not. I have picked a company that uh, started off the year a bit askew. Then by about April, things started to turn around. And then by the end of the year, where we're at right now, I'm the most optimistic I've ever been watching this company in years. I can't believe he's going to say Ring of Honor, folks. (laughs) Wow. Okay, that one, that one, that one shocked me. <laughs> um, wow. Okay, <laughs> that is not where I saw you going. They made uh, tremendous improvements in this past year. They have made all the correct moves in the right direction, and I think we are about to hit another golden era for WWE. So, for me. I looked at this and went, hmm, how do I feel about New Japan? Yes, it was a big year for them. Yes, they celebrated 50 years. Yes, Anoki passed away in October and they did all that. 
But overall, I don't think they'll accompany the year. Okay, what's the next bigger company I watch? Uh, WWE. Uh, they sort of had a bit of a rocky year, and then Vince left, and then all the people they fired, they brought back, and it's sort of been a bit hit and miss for me, so not them. All Elite Wrestling. You know, they started off well, and then they brought Ring of Honor, and then Ring of Honor came in, and it sort of muddied the waters, and then the whole All Out thing happened. Uh, that's a no from me as well. So I'm going to... TNA Impact Wrestling. Oh, man. You're such a fucking impact mark these days. I am. And what, <laughs> And why not? Because any company that features Brian Myers in a in a heavily featured position is all right in my books. He was digital media champion for a while. Yeah. Uh, I suppose this one will be interesting. Worst international company. Last year, Alex had said New Japan Pro Wrestling. I'd said World Wrestling Entertainment. I don't think it's going to be a repeat of either of us this year, but uh, I could be wrong. Alex? No, I'm not going to pick New Japan Pro Wrestling again because simply I haven't watched enough of them because they completely killed my interest last year. So I'm going to have to pick a company that fucking... I have previously given very positive awards to. And I'm going to have to pick NWA for the sole reason that I've watched a lot of their shows this year. And we end the year with fucking Tyrus, the legitimately proven sexual assault artist (laughs) as world champion. He's been found guilty of committing sexual assault against people at Fox News. And you put your world title on him because he has a Fox News talk show. Because you guys want to cater to a certain leaning political party. But what you're doing by doing that is completely, completely giving up any faith that people that don't have that view watching your show has and you've completely lost me billy corgan what the fuck happened how did you drop the ball so bad that's an honorable mention for me so is ring of honor for me i just went to somebody and went what the fuck were you smoking thinking of doing this and i went to jim crocker promotions see the i thought about it I was like, I can't, I don't know if I can give it to him because of that one show. If if I was to give it to him, it would pretty much be because of one match. Because there was some good shit on that show. There was Josh Alexander versus Jacob Fatu. I remember we talked about this and you said, well, that ended in a no contest. <laughs> it ended in a no contest, which was dumb. Yeah. But fuck, the match was good. It's mainly also because Conrad came out in the press conference afterwards and says he wants to do more last match events under Jim Crockett, like Mick Foley, Steamboat, but Steamboat when it did his. (laughs) He specifically name-dropped Mick Foley, and I cringed. Like, oh, no one wants to say that, man. No. Best company domestically last year, Alex had said Deathmatch Down Under. I had said Right Sigil Wrestling. Uh, Where do you go this year, mate? Yeah, 2022. uh, Same old, same old from me, Deathmatch Down Under. 
Okay. For me, honourable mention to Deathmatch Down Under. Honourable mention to your boys' company, Mayhem Pro Wrestling. Yeah, that's a uh, runner-up for me. But <laughs> I, I couldn't pick it because I thought it seemed a little too favouritism. But, yeah. I love Mayhem Pro has their VOD out, like, within two weeks. And then yep. other companies have it out within six months. Yep. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I'm enjoying Mayhem Pro. I'm looking forward to what they bring in the new year where we can start talking about them more. Uh, for me, I went back to PWA, Pro Wrestling Australia. Yep, fair enough. I think we're at a point now where we have to consider PWA the promotion in Australia. Oh, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll talk about that in the... Uh, the likely unlikely for the local scene, mate. Okay. Category 11, event of the year. I don't think we're going to have an, a repeat of this for best internationally. <laughs> I had said NWA Empower as part of the uh, anniversary weekend, whereas Alex had said <laughs> All Out. <laughs> yeah, uh, spoiler alert, I'm not picking All Out. And in previous years, uh, you picked... In 2020, New Japan Pro Wrestling, New Year Dash, the Liger retirement show. And I, I picked NXT Halloween Havoc. And the year before that, we both picked AEW Double or Nothing, the first AEW pay-per-view slash show. Uh, this year, I, I, I do have some honourable mentions. I really did enjoy Revolution, the first show of the year. Uh, mainly because of the MJF Sam Punk dog collar match. Like, I thought that was unreal. Um, and another shout out to um, the Survivor Series War Games, uh, just because I did enjoy both War Games matches. Um, but, you know, Ronda versus Shotzi happened, so you got rid of any hope of that. Um, War Games! War Games! War Games, so tried! In a surprising pick for me, uh, I don't know if this is eligible because I am technically picking half of a show. I am picking WWE WrestleMania Night 1. Yeah, that's fine. As far as a, a show is concerned, the first night was fucking perfect. You had that banger of a Bianca Becky match. You had the fucking... Um, Surprise pop of the year, even though it was not that much of a surprise, of Cody Rhodes returning to WWE and having that banger with Seth Rollins. And you had the fucking main event, like as much as, you know, maybe should it have been a main event? Yeah, fucking oath it should have. Kevin Owens versus Steve Austin. It was fucking fantastic. That first night was great. The only thing that sort of lowers it a little bit is that fucking Ronda Charlotte match. Yeah, I agree. That that was a really good night. For me, I have a couple of honourable mentions here. Ring of Honor, Supercard of Honor, which is WrestleMania yep. weekend. Uh, GCW, Effie's Big Gay Brunch, which also took part yep. WrestleMania weekend. The WrestleCon Mark Hitchcock Memorial Super Show. Again, WrestleMania weekend. But for me, I felt uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling and World Wonder Ring Stardom Historic X-Over was my event of the year. 
I just, yeah, I just really enjoyed it. And uh, hopefully this leads to uh, more Aussie and Kiwi women being signed for Stardom or New Japan when they tour here. Uh, worst event internationally. Last year, Alex had said AEW Revolution, which had the exploding barbed wire match that didn't explode fully. And I said WWE Survivor Series that had Vince McMahon with a chocolate egg and Austin Fury looking for it the next day on Raw. Oh, man. And that started that started everything with Vince and Austin Theory, too. Uh, just quickly, uh, 20, 2021, yeah, we had those shows. Uh, and 2020, we had... I picked the horror show at Extreme Rules, and you picked All Out in 2020. Um, I don't have a record of 2019. Uh, give me a moment. I can find it for you. Worst event. Uh, you had said Crown Jewel. I'd said Hell in a Cell because I think that was Seth and the yep, Fiend and the was. Toolbox, and Sean Waltman yep. was never invited back again. Yep, that's right. Fucking hell. Uh I don't think there's any real surprise as to what my worst event of the year was this year. Um, Honourable mention to Ric Flair's last match. Ooh, honourable. Honestly, honourable mention to the Royal Rumble 2022 because both Royal Rumble matches sucked ass. Hey, we got Mickey James in there as Hardcore Country. That was like the lone highlight. (laughs) She came out with her Impact Wrestling championship belt and like some of the other women who were champions didn't come out with their belts yep but mainly because of what happened afterwards but also need i remind you all that this show started off with the fucking joker coming out and fucking a complete clusterfuck head scratching uh casino battle royale ladder fucking thing and the formation of the firm and everyone being like, who the fuck was that in the mask? What the fuck is this? My worst show of the year is All Out 2022. I mean, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I mean, it is a show that damaged the wrestling scene. Yeah. Um, for me, I gave that an honourable mention. I gave Ring of Honor... Final battle, an honourable mention, mainly because of the booking leading up to it, with a lot of it taking place three or four days beforehand. Yeah. And also, AEW Battle of the Belts 1 through 4. Just a lot of forgettableness on those shows that are supposed to be, like, your next level down from your pay-per-views. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. But for me, worst event internationally... Jim Crocker Promotions, Ric Flair's last match. It There was one saving grace match on there when I watched it back recently because Fight put it up as their 12 days of Christmas for free with Fight Plus. Right. And that luchador match is good, but as I'll get to it when I talk uh, matches, yeah, not a lot of good on there for me. No. Uh, what about uh, best event domestically? Both of us last year giving the nod to Deathmatch Down Under. However, Alex giving it to The Juice is Worth the Squeeze Night 1 and 2, which was for the uh, Heavyweight Championship, whereas I gave it to Not Here to Fuck Spiders, which was the finals of the Tag Team Championship Tournament. 
to no surprise, uh, I've picked MCW Ballroom Brawl 2022 because the finish of that match was absolutely madness with Buddy Matthews winning. <laughs> yeah, no yeah, one saw that coming. It, it had me shook. It had me shook. I loved it so much. So for me, uh, honourable mention goes to DMDU this year for June 16th with their the Great Emu War Games show. Yep. <laughs> I mean, God, I love War Games. War Games! War Games! And uh, are you familiar with the Great Emu War? Not really, no. Uh, so this is a war that the Australian government at the time fought against uh, emus that were feeding on farmers' crops in Western Australia. Right. That Australia lost. Yeah. The Great Emu War, the outcome. They tried twice and then they just sort of gave up. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, for my event of the year, I went to PWA, Black Label, Let's Fucking Go, from Max Watts in Sydney, the conclusion of their uh, East Coast Australian tour on October 21st. Uh, saw the, uh, what I kicked off the show with my awards, with the uh, Cherry Stevens kicking out the schoolboy, as well as uh, I mentioned before, the yeah. Ricky South-Mick Moretti uh, cage match for the unification of the titles. Yeah, I thought a really good all-round show. Yeah, perfect. Speaking of matches, we uh, moved down to our last category, match of the year, best internationally last year. I'll mention the uh, cinematic matches as well, but uh, we have moved past that era of cinematic matches, so... Yes. No more cinematic awards here. <laughs> As we see, Alec uh, give the nod to GCW Homecoming, Nick Gage versus Matt Cardona, and for his cinematic match, AW Revolution, Sting and Darby Allen versus Team Taz. I gave uh, yeah. the nod to the St. Patrick's Day slam match of Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa, while uh, saying the Stadium Stampede match was my best cinematic match. Uh, quickly, uh, 2019, uh, your match of the year was Will Ospreay versus Shingo Tagagi, uh, best of Super Juniors final. Uh, mine was Cody versus Dustin from AEW Double or Nothing. Uh, 2020, my match of the year was Walter versus Ilya Dragunov, and yours was Will Ospreay versus Shingo Takagi again. And in 2022, Alex... Alex picks uh, returning to my match of the year is Gunther versus Sheamus from Clash at the Castle. This is everything I love about wrestling. I don't need to explain it enough. You humans out there have listened to enough to know what I like. That's what I fucking like. I love that. For me, I have a few honorable mentions with the Clash at the Castle Gunther and Sheamus match. Uh, also yeah. on here are my honourable mentions. Dynamite from August 3rd, the Acclaim versus the Gun Club, their dumpster match. Oh, that was so good. New Japan Pro Wrestling G1 Climax Day 12. You know I gotta put it on here. August the 6th, Takagi yeah. versus Osprey. Because I could watch that match every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Uh, quickly, uh, some of my honourable mentions. I On my honourable mentions, I had... Uh, Jonah beating Okada. Uh, just wanted to remind the world of that. And also, I'll, 
actually was going to give the award to CM Punk versus MJF dog collar match, but because of CM Punk's actions, fuck it. <laughs> I have on here AEW Dynamite from August 23rd, United Empire versus Death Triangle in the uh, Trios Tournament semi-final. Oh, fuck, that was good. Uh, Clash at the Carrefour, Gunther versus Sheamus. TNA Impact from November 3rd saw Josh Alexander and Frankie Kazarian versus Aussie Open. Yep. New Japan and Stardom Historic Hex over on November 20th. The team of Melta, Tam Nakano and Natsupori, along with Suzuki-gun members Taichi and Katamaru, taking on the team of Black Desire, Momo Watanabe and Starlight, Starlight Kid, along with Suzuki-gun members El Desperado and Doki. Uh, an honourable yep. mention to the AEW Dynamite Holiday Bash edition of Jamie Hayter, uh, versus Hikaru Shida, main eventing Dynamite there. Uh, and my final honourable mention to the, uh, again, the historic X-Over event, Kairi versus Mayu Iyatani in the tournament final for the inaugural IWGP Women's Championship. But I yeah. had to give it to a match that actually made me feel something this year. Ooh. So I'm going to send you a photo of what I felt. And I gave it to New Japan Pro Wrestling Road to Tokyo Dome, December 23, Suzuki Gun's farewell match, Desperado, Archer, Suzuki, and Taka versus Taichi, Katamaru, Zack, and Doki. Dude, yeah. I did not realize how sad I would be when Suzuki Gun ended. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so sad. But uh, yeah. I just felt like watching so much Suzuki Gun, meeting Suzuki, meeting Archer, which is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, for yeah. sure. No, that one, that one, got me, and it was a good, good match. It's like only the second time in wrestling I can remember where a team amicably breaks up, other than the um, Rapongi Vice breakup. Yeah. Okay. Uh, worst internationally. Last year, Alex had said for in-ring Cody versus Anthony Agogo from AEW Double or Nothing, while he said Fuck. Uh, cinematic match, WWE, Res WrestleMania Backlash, the zombie match, where Miz got his one and only in-ring injury while with WWE. Yep. Uh, I had said in-ring, Kenny Omega versus John Moxley, the exploding barbed wire death match, and for my cinematic match, I said the playground match in quotation marks that was Alexa Bliss versus Shayna Baszler where Shayna walked into the locker yeah. room and saw Lily in the mirror but she wasn't there and it was like Hogan and Warrior. Fucking hell. Uh, what do you got this year? What was your worst of the worst matches that you had to sit through? I have sort of mentioned it a couple of times and I can't uh, I don't know if there's a bit of recency bias to it but I just can't get past it like I thought about this category a lot and I had a few things in mind. Like, yeah, Ric Flair's last match is a good shout. Um, yeah, but I had to give it to Ronda Rousey versus Shotzi from Survivor Series. Um, so many botched spots in this. Uh, Ronda Rousey trying to get the DDT on the apron to Shotzi and they both just sort of go flying and both end up sort of selling nothing. It was so weird. Yeah, that match was a complete shambles. 
Shotzi is a great personality, but is green as goose shit still. She's very green still. And Ronda does not have the experience or the, let's face it, the wrestling ability to be able to carry someone that green. She can barely carry herself half the time. Exactly. So this, like, and this getting put on a pay-per-view is probably Triple H's first major booking error in his era, in his uh, main roster regime. So, for me, a couple of honourable mentions here. Firstly, WWE Royal Rumble, specifically the men's Royal Rumble match, because it had nothing going on. Shane McMahon as your final four, Bad Bunny as your fifth final member. Yeah, that sucked. Oh, man. Uh, also, Dynamite Quake by the Lake, August 10th. Jake Cargill versus Madison Rain in a TBS championship match. Yeah. That was bad. Rampage, November 4th. Not so much for the guys in ring, which was Orange Cassidy versus Katsuyoro Shibata in an All-Atlantic championship match, but it was just unwatchable because of Mike Tyson on commentary. And then once this match ended, he got pulled, and the rest of the matches I did not give a shit about that night. Also of note, uh, let's see. Ric Flair's last match, I go to Killer Cross versus Davey Boy Smith that was just like, why did this take place? Thank fuck. The confusing booking of me watching Impact at the time and seeing Motor City Machine Guns, Shelly and Saban taking on a team of the American Wolves, Richards and Edwards, who Eddie Edwards was the leader of Honor No More and Davey Richards was coming back to defend Impact. I mean, great match, confusing booking. Yeah. But... For me, there's no other choice. It's Ric Flair's last match. It is just terrible. It shouldn't have happened. It was puzzling why anyone wanted to see this, especially after the Impact run, especially this many years after the Impact run. Yep. Like 12 years after the Impact run. Sad. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, final award here. Best match of the year domestically. Uh, so last year, we both picked the same cinematic match, which, I mean, hell of a cinematic match uh, for the Australian scene to produce. PWA, Black Label, Jimmy Townsend versus William Preston, the Prefects pre- Playground Ball. Uh, now, we both said, DMDU, juice is worth the squeeze. I went night one, Jessica Troy versus AJ Istria. Alex went night two, Richie Taylor versus Charlie Evans. Um, what do you got today? Uh, I've once again gone for a, sh- a match from a night two. Uh, th- this time it was from PWA Coliseum night two, and it was the final. It was Robbie Eagles versus Adam Brooks. I wish I could have picked like a match with you know a little bit lesser known Australian talent, but hey, these two guys are known for a reason, and they create magic. That is that is a good match. Uh, for me. I have a couple of honourable mentions before my match. So I go DMDU, the Great Emu War Games, on June 16th for the uh, War Games match of Team Deathmatch Down Under, Callum Butcher, Camby Crawford, Joel Bateman, Lobo, and Mad Dog. Oh my god, I forgot about Lobo's comeback this year. <laughs> I know. Uh, should have put him as Rising Star. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking no. Versus the anti-death match party, Katie Lux, 
Damian Rivers, Hector Jones, Lockie Hendricks, and Mitchell Wright. The PWA Black Label Let's Fucking Go of Ricky South, the lineal champion versus Mick Moretti, the interim champion to unify the PWA Heavyweight Championship in a steel cage match. I went to PWA Black, uh, Black Label Coliseum Night 2 co-promote with MCW for not, uh, sorry, not one. Jessica Troy versus Punch Drunk AJ Istria. I mean, if it was so good the year before a deathmatch down under, it deserved another shot. <laughs> Fucking hell. And uh, my match of the year, just mainly going with the uh, the same thought of my best international match, something that made me feel something, and that's Cherry Stevens defending the soul of PWA Championship against Jimmy Townsend. First person to kick out the yeah. the schoolboy, and have you seen this match? I haven't. Actually. Really, really good match. Oh man, yeah. I, I suppose that concludes the uh, the awards section. Now we move over to likely unlikelies. What are we going to do first, international or domestic? We'll do domestic first. Likely unlikely for twenty twenty three, excluding New Japan Pro Wrestling Tamashi's Oceania Cup. A wrestling show takes place in Riverina, New South Wales, or Northeast Victoria, by a major promotion. So that's your your big five of Australasia and I guess New Japan Tamashi now as well. I'm going to say likely. I think um, New Japan doing it, and if it's done successfully, or if they sell enough tickets, it'll open up the door for other companies to want to do it. Have they announced a date yet? No, I think it might be a bit later in the year. But if they put tickets on sale early in the year and the other Australian promotions say that the tickets are actually selling well, they might want to get to the area before New Japan does. Uh, so, what do you say, likely? Likely, yes. Likely for me as well. Uh, question two. A PWA tour visits two of the following states or territories in 2023. Tasmania, South Australia, Western Australia, the Northern Territory, the North Island of New Zealand, or the South Island of New Zealand. Uh, I say likely and I say South Australia and WA. Okay, I said unlikely on that one. Question three. Either Mick Moretti or Jessica Troy travel to Japan for New Japan or stardom? Ooh. Likely and Mick Moretti. I'm just going to say likely on that one. Yeah. Uh, I, I just see, like, Mick Moretti having more of the connections and being able to do it. I don't know if Jessica Troy has, a, as much as she should be the first choice, I don't know if she has the buzz that Moretti does. She uses a Fujiwara armbar as her finisher. <laughs> yeah, I know. She should be. She should be the first person booked on every person show. But... Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, question four here. New Japan Tamashi officially announces a partnership with an ANZ promotion similar to that of RevPro in the United Kingdom. Uh, likely. And PWA. Yeah, I said likely as well, and it's probably going to be PWA. Yeah. Now, here's the uh, the fifth one, and we can have a, a follow-up discussion to this as well as a, as a um, 
talking point before we get to your international choices this year. Alex has uh, done the international likely-unlikely. I've done the local scene. So question five to round this out. A new Victorian company overtakes MCW as the state's biggest promotion by the end of 2023. I would argue that it's already happening. Um, But yes, likely. I say likely as well. And if you want me to go into detail about it, it's like Renegade of Wrestling has the heart and soul of what made uh, MCW popular to begin with. So there's a contender. DMDU has such a rabid fan base and it's very niche nonetheless it's very niche but i think they could still overtake i think mayhem's on their way mayhem is definitely the dark horse on the rise there and then you have the established um pcw that runs that big arena show once a year and that was going to be the last promotion i was going to mention like pcw arguably already better than mcw i was going to argue pcw were getting there they ran that um big show the same night as um mcw did clash of the champions and then sort of the pandemic hit the second year they did the um the stadium show and they sort of haven't gone back to a stadium show since because victoria was on such harsh lockdowns yeah i would say that there was a time where pcw and mcw were the two front runners and i think by the end of next year neither of those two companies will be the front runners so for me number one in the country right now like, we're talking outside New Japan, Tamashi, obviously. Yeah. Uh, number one for me is PWA of Sydney. Yeah, 100%. Then you can argue, who would you argue would be next? Probably MCW still? I would argue Riot City. Yeah, Riot City does have a lot of buzz, actually. I would argue Riot City, and I would argue in third, you can almost put a three-way tie with APW, MCW, and PCW. And the re- yeah. And APW should be a lot higher, but we know why they're not. <laughs> yeah, it's their VOD. I checked again recently. It was still, yeah, a, a, a few months delay, unfortunately. Uh, so, international ones, my man. What have you got for me this year? All right, so I've got 10. Yeah, yeah, 10, 10's fine. I, I think 10 internationally is a, a good talking point. Five locally is a good talking point, And then we've got to do our crazy prediction there's a couple of softballs in here so uh sasha banks appears on aew television likely unlikely on aew likely oh wait what do you say uh, uh likely as well likely yeah yeah and aew talent signs with wwe i said likely likely i can see ftr heading back i can see miro heading back Miro, yes, FTR, depending if they want to go and do a year in Japan or not. Uh, someone who was brought back to WWE since Triple H took over gets released again. Likely. Likely too, and I think it'll be Karrion Cross because he's shat the bed since he returned. He's got no buzz. Nothing. And his matches with Drew were just paint-dryingly boring. Yep. I know you're... Your thoughts on this one? Impact Wrestling survives 2023. Yes, likely. 
likely as well. Um, NWA survives 2023. Oh. You got a softball for the hardball. Um, I say yes, but it's going to lose more fans over the course of the year. It survives, but it's going to become a very niche viewing. I said unlikely. I think the company's on its last legs already. Uh, NXT announces another branch of NXT outside of Europe and America. Likely. Same here, and I think there will probably be uh, NXT like Japan or Asia or something like that that gets announced soon. I'm thinking Japan's probably the next one. It's either Japan or India. Because I know they're desperate for some Indian exposure. If they go to India, they'd have basically the whole market to themselves. Yes. And that is a really rabid fan base. Actually, that's a a really good point. I think, yeah, probably India then. You know that Rinka King had fucking more average viewers than any current wrestling show? That's crazy. Because I remember reading that they got something like 2 million viewers each week or something like that because of the amount of eyeballs there are in India. Um, All right, next one. Uh, WWE forms an ongoing, keyword ongoing, partnership with another promotion. Unlikely. I said likely. And I think it will be something uh, to help build, say, an NXT Japan. And I think it could be like perhaps they go into a partnership with, say, a NOAA or an All Japan Pro Wrestling, one of those companies that have a little less buzz but they can sort of use as a uh, feeding system. All Japan, I think, is the most likely. I think. Yeah, I think Old, Old Japan is probably what will happen. All right, Stone Cold Steve Austin wrestles again. Unlikely. There's rumours, and I think he's going to wrestle at either WrestleMania or another big show in the next year or so. So I said likely. Uh, AEW announces plans for an Australian tour. Likely, unlikely. Likely. Likely. I said unlikely because I'm a dirty pessimist. (laughs) We found that out last year when you think of AEW and Aussies. Yes. I guess this is another one where I'm not a pessimist. And this is the final one. WWE announce a premium live event in Australia. Announce is the keyword. Not having a premium live event in Australia. Announcing a premium live event. Likely. And I agreed with you on that, likely. Um, Yeah, I think... And that's it for my likely unlikelies. Um, I didn't go too crazy with it. No. No, uh, I did have specific things like beforehand. I was like, oh, do you think, like, um, what was it? Uh, will AEW buy another company? <laughs> I did have shit like that. And obviously, I got rid of it because it was like, probably not. And we're both going to say no. <laughs> uh, weird prediction time. Who goes first? Oh, uh, you go first. Oh, okay. I haven't thought about this until now um okay 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 the rock returns at wrestlemania but not for a match all right that's a good call that's a good call all righty i'm just thinking about it i'll I'll give you a couple here's here's one conrad thompson buys the nwa i mean think about what 
what Conrad's audience is. It's all about late 80s WCW nostalgia. What did he just promote? Jim Crockett's last promotion. What promotion's fucking tumbling down the drain? NWA. Jim Crockett promotions NWA forever linked. Conrad will want to buy it. Conrad will want to own the rights to the 10 pounds of gold. And uh, we'll also just add on, because of what we're seeing, of what's happening in Australia, that is how Nick Aldis gets his last laugh on Billy Corgan. Because who's Conrad in business with for this Australia thing that he's going to do? Nick Aldis and Mickey James. And Conrad will buy the NWA and Nick Aldis will be the national treasure, the dealer once again, NWA world champ. Um, Also, other major prediction here. All right. I've got to think of a big one here. All right, fuck it. Sam Punk versus Kenny Omega happens in 2023 on AEW, on an AEW pay-per-view. Ooh. I mean, that's big. Okay, I'll give you one more because you gave the humans one more. Okay, I got one. Ring of Honor, War of the Worlds takes place, except it is Ring of Honor versus AEW. Ooh. That would be a bad idea. But I, I can see it happening. Okay, that's all I got. I th- I can see it happening. Yep. I quickly just write down a, a former AEW champion will be in the WWE by the end of 2023, and I don't care what championship, but there will be a former champion in WWE, and it won't feel anywhere near as big as Cody's because Cody was the first. Yeah, yeah, that could happen too. Yeah. Um. Man, what a year. Yeah, it's been been quite the year. Oh. Now we go do it all over again. Aren't you excited? Uh, quick prediction. If uh, the Royal Rumble doesn't rock this year, Triple H is a massive flop. He's going to pull out all the stops to make this Rumble fucking amazing because this is the true test of what regime we're under here. This is like the first big, big show that he has to book and he's going to have to pull it out because like the SummerSlam thing, like he, he booked, he booked the show, but it was like him finishing off Vince's stuff and Survivor Series. Like, eh, it's barely a big four anymore. This is huge coming up. I'm so pumped for the rumble because I think something mad's going to happen. War Games was pretty much already set in place with the whole um, rivalry between the um, the bloodline and you had the brawling brutes in place sort of before that as well. And yeah. Drew coming back and Kevin with Sammy, that makes sense. Yeah. So I got a pass on that one as well. This Yeah, this will be the first big four without, without Vince really having an influence. Even yeah. though people say Vince doesn't book so far in advance. Uh... Okay, uh, what else you got, man? Uh, how's SmackDown going? Are you guys recording over the, the summer or you're on uh, break? We'll be recording in the next week or two to discuss the fallout from Wrestle Kingdom. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, if the rumours are true, if uh, Sasha Banks turns up at the Tokyo Dome. There's even a report that came out today that Naomi's in Japan. Who knows? Um but 
in the meantime, you can find the Smack It Down podcast wherever you find your podcasts, Apple iTunes, all that sort of shit. Um, and you can find me at Fruity is Alex on Instagram and Twitter. You can find us at WrestleOzStyle with an AUS on Instagram and Twitter and search us up on Facebook, Wrestling Style. Chris, you're at? At I'm Chris Funder on Twitter. Come tell me why Impact deserves to be best promotion of 2022 because it clearly was and whatever your opinion is, is wrong. You can also catch me gaming sometimes on Twitch. Uh, haven't been live that much lately because work's been crazy. Uh, Twitch.tv slash Chris Funder. Yes, big things coming in the new year. Maybe even Wrestling Oztol. Who knows? <laughs> but I suppose uh, with all that being said, you can go back, listen to the Wrestling Oztol archive for free on SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or using the RSS feed found the show notes below for your podcast choice, including Apple... Nothing left to say, but good day and we'll speak to you next time. What a year. What a year. Yeah. I mean, if there was one word to describe 2020 in pro wrestling, it'd be, wow. I, I would say the word is allegations, but... <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Can't just have a nice ending to a show, can we? I'm here thinking about all the great things, all the new chants, and Alex is like, allegations. Wow. <laughs> wow. Wow, voice! Look at events! Wow! Ah, <laughs> oh, fuck, we're gonna get cancelled because of this. Ah, oh, fuck it. That's the one impression I can do. Just leave me alone, humans. <laughs>